Hello and welcome to another episode of Archive Panic. I'm your host, Ben Nevin. And I'm Jacob Russell. And for this very special Halloween episode, we are going to be taking a look at the horrific, the truly terrifying Limitless. Ah! Because <laughs> there's nothing scarier than knowing how to do everything and every cunt you know asking you a favour. I mean, <laughs> you change the Wi-Fi network password once, suddenly you're the fucking IT support for the whole entire flat. So you can only imagine how it must feel when you know how to do fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, limitless. So, but uh, before we dive in, yes, how you been? I've been very well, thank you. I've been very excited to cover this film in particular because uh, it's a very interesting one to me. Because it's, I watched it when it first came out. Or sorry, I should say, I rented it when it first came out in DVD, mm. which shows you how fucking long ago this shit was. <laughs> yeah, this came out the year before I left school. Yeah, so, <laughs> what, 2010? 2011. 2011? Mm. Oh, yeah, fuck, yeah, 2012, yeah. Uh, so, this came out in 2011, so this was like the tail end of when rentals were still a thing. Like, Blockbuster was dead by this point, but uh, I rented it from a corner shop just down the road from my cousin's house. When did our Blockbuster shut? Do you remember? Our one. I don't know. I just got remember it get replaced by a fucking Cause chain I re- restaurant. Cause like, yeah, but, but I remember renting uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. No, not Winter Soldier. Uh, the first Avenger from there. And that was 2011 as well. Fuck, so it might not have been shut at that point then. No. I think I was stayed on to like the very bitter end. Yeah, tail- <laughs> now it's a... Oh, it's not Taco Bell now, is it? No, it's Taco Bell. Not, yeah, it's a Taco Bell now, yeah. Hell Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But no, but no. Uh, I, I, well, I had never seen this movie, but I haven't been up to much either this week, uh, apart from getting banned from the state of Minnesota. So, yes, that that happened. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, but you know, Midwest minds, go fuck yourselves. I'll be there. God next. fucking damn it! I'll Stop be, antagonizing. I'll be. I'll be there. I'll be in the Midwest next year, probably. So. Uh, <laughs> Is this a fucking call-out? Are we going to have to arrange a fucking celebrity boxing match next? Is that what's going to fucking happen? I'm not even... A, I'm not Jacob a Russo versus the state of Minnesota. <laughs> just the entirety of the state of Minnesota? It's just you in a ring with a state flag going, fucking one then. <laughs> I, don't even know what, I don't even know what the state flag of Minnesota looks like. I don't know. fucking know either. Ah, bet it's shite. <laughs> Just, no like hesitation. Your, just like your football team. <laughs> Fuck the Vikings you. are pish, to I be fair. Pish. So is the Twins. <laughs> They're really shite. So is it? the Twins. So. They have been good in the past, but then again, you could say that about most have they fucking though? team. Have they, though? No. They have. No. They've had their moments. They disappoint. They're a disappointment to the whole entire state. Shut the fuck up. You like the Packers, you cunt. Yeah, we've won Super Bowls. But no, uh, I would say I've been excited to watch this movie because I've never seen it before, but mm-hmm. uh, it was just one of these ones... That we kind of just were like, yeah, sure. But um, I remember this movie coming out. I never watched yes. it. Uh, it was just I'm trying to think where where my headspace was in 2011. What I was doing at that point. What I was watching. And you like, were preoccupied with your eminent uh, fucking off from secondary school. No, I was still in secondary school when this came out. No, but you were still being like, yeah, I'm going to fuck off soon. <laughs> I remember I think... for like, the, I specifically remember for like the last year of secondary school, 
you were just like fucking done with the shit. I'm going <laughs> fucking going. I think I was just go what, to college or I'm, something. I'm, I'm trying to think what I was what I would have been watching at the time. I think most of my Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, those on uh, repeat. Yeah, because I think at that point was when I first discovered uh, fucking um, what do you call it? It wasn't LimeWire. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It might have been Pirate. Oh, Bay. it might have been BitTorrent. Maybe, but that's where I got uh, all the Friday the 13th movies. and yeah. I was watching those and Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and all, all that sort of stuff. That's where my headspace was, so I just wasn't really paying attention to popular cinema at the time. No, <laughs> indeed you were not. Not many of us were. We were very much boz deep in what kind of hipster horror bullshit. I did tell my I did tell my dad we were covering this movie today, and normally what he was his reply? Normally he doesn't give a fuck about any of the movies we talk about because he's never seen them. Yeah, uh, but Danito's in this one, and he's seen Limitless. He's like, oh, I really like that movie, so he was yeah. excited. So, hi, dad, you're not gonna fucking listen to this. So, uh, yeah, you know. what if he does? If he does, you know, we'll probably never hear from you again. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the next next thing you know, you're sleeping on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> But no, uh, Limitless from 2011, right? Let's go over a little bit of some uh, important information, shall we? Before we do, can I just have a brief... In fact, after we do the information, we'll go for it. Fuck it, go on. Alright, so Limitless, 2011. Yes. Very surprising. Directed by, I love this guy's name, Neil Berger. Yes, Neil Berger, yeah. Have you heard of this guy? I... I had heard of him only because he directed this movie. I was not familiar right. with any of his well, other prior, works. Prior to this, he did a movie, came out around about the same time as The Prestige, called The Illusionist with Edward Norton. I am familiar with that movie, yeah. That's, that's something I want to touch on at some point. We should do like a month where we do like, what are they called when it's like two studios just bring out a movie that are very similar around about the same time? I don't know, what, Convergence or something? Or con- uh, Convergent releases or I don't or know, but like the, the, the other, another example I can think of is like, do you remember there was that weird little month where White House Down came out and then there was fucking... Olympus Olymp- has fallen. Yeah, yeah. And then like before that you have like... Ants things, and a Bug Life. Ants and a Bug's Life. You have uh, Volcano and... Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak. Armageddon. You have Armageddon and, and Deep Impact. Impact. Yeah. yeah. But he did The Illusionist. He also directed Divergent. The oh. fucking, and he produced the other two those fucking young that adult shit, movies yeah. yeah yeah this is written by Leslie Dixon who has a fucking weird oh yeah career. her career's fucking wild or, uh, I, I, I noted down three movies that you know I think she's probably best known for she wrote Mrs. Doubtfire yes she wrote the Lindsay Lohan version of Freaky Friday uh huh phenomenal she, movie by the way uh, sure <laughs> she wrote um, uh, the remake of Hairspray but oh, she yeah. also produced Gone Girl Yes. Hmm. Uh, this is based on the novel The Dark Fields by Alan Glynn. Yep. Uh, I looked up to see if he's done anything else that's, you know, well-known. No. No. <laughs> His Wikipedia page is literally just like all the other titles of his books. They aren't even links. Yeah, so, yeah. They're just... you know. <laughs> and I, I, I tried to look for a review of the book, and the best uh, review I saw was somebody who was like, eh, it's pretty good airport, airport fodder. Yeah. So it's just trash you read in an airport apparently although those can yield good things the fucking Bourne movies were based on airport novels yes so yeah they were but let's get into this the budget what do you think the budget was on this movie on this movie well they I know that in order they done a, a, quite a few tricks in order to save money mm-hmm. uh, such as not shutting down any of the streets that they shot in in New York <laughs> Uh, so a lot of the shots you see, like yeah, the, the William Freakin School of yeah, yeah, they are like <laughs> a lot of the quote unquote extras 
those are just regular motherfuckers just going about their day mm. like or just like tourists walking through fucking and then when they weren't filming directly in new york they were filming in philadelphia which was weird to me so first i've heard of philadelphia being used for new york usually it's toronto yeah, Philadelphia, the same sort of area, you know. I know it's a similar area, but it's the first time I've yeah. heard of Philadelphia filling in for yeah. New York. But but how, much, uh, how much do you think the budget was? Budget? Oh. I'm going to go with a solid 15 million. 27 million. Fucker! And I was actually quite surprised at how low the budget was, because... Yeah, again, they had a lot... They used a lot of techniques to just save save money some of, that, which resulted in, some of which resulted in some fucking dangerous shit but yeah well yeah but not even that I just meant in the fact that it was one of these movies that was hyped to fuck before it came out so I assumed it was just yeah. like one of these big budget you know a lot movies, of the um, a lot of the reason for that was the fact that Bradley Cooper was in it yeah and he'd just and done the hangover he had, yes he was just off of the hangover I can't remember whether the A-team had came out yet or not I think it might have done yeah the A-team was I don't know why I know this but the A-team was 2010 2010 okay <laughs> so he had done the hangover in the A-team so he was well on his way to becoming uh, one of the last big kind of Hollywood stars like you don't really get a lot of this kind of like we both the both of us recently watched well I'm about halfway through it but there's a video essay called like the death of cinema and all that all about like how yeah, who killed cinema who killed yeah, cinema yes yeah, Patrick H. Willems go watch him he's good it's, uh, yeah phenomenal video essay and he talks about the, the death of the idea of the movie star mm. how you don't really get a lot of like you don't really go to see the likes of like a Chris Evans movie you'll go to see like the new Captain America mm-hmm. you won't go to see a Tom Holland movie you'll go to see Spider-Man yeah. you know well, what I mean whereas so the- before you would get like this was I feel like Bradley Cooper was one of the last like this kind of generation like Bradley Cooper Jennifer Lawrence this is one of the last kind of holdouts of that era where movie stars were well and truly yeah. bankable and yeah. with him being attached to this movie it became a massive deal Alright, so we know what the budget was, and it was fairly low for this yep, type of movie. 27 million. What do you think the box office was? Oh, this film went gangbusters. You're talking in the hundreds of millions, easily. 161.8 million. Yeah. Fucking good. IMDb, out of 10? Out of 10, I'm going to go an 8.7. 7.4. Ooh. And uh, so Rotten Tomatoes, what do you think the critic score? Is that another point one, or is it out of 100? Uh, it's out of 100. I, I can never remember. It's a percentage out of 100. Yeah. Uh... Again, fuck it, I'm going to... Well, if IMDb was 7.4, I'm going to say... Fuck it, 79. 68. Ooh. And the audience score? Audience score? Mm-hmm. Fuck, stay again, 79. 74. Okay. So yeah. the audience likes this movie slightly bit more than the critics. That's usually the case with these big budget movies. Oh, well, well, not big budget movies, but these bigger movies anyway. I don't know. I've, no, I've seen a lot of movies that we're going to be covering soon where the critic score is actually a lot higher than the audience score. Um, that tends to happen in horror movies. Oh yes, yeah, for big some time. reason. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, Limitless. Uh, this has like a bunch of people in it. Where it's like, I was immediately taken back to like early 2010s when I saw fucking Abby Cornish was in this because that was a yes. name that was like hyped to be like next big thing. Just didn't happen. Yeah, she was also a rapper for a long time. Abby Cornish. Yes. Was she? Yeah. Huh. And a lot of the the roles that are filled out throughout the, the sort of party scenes mm. uh, throughout this movie, a lot of the individuals that you see in those, those roles were actual socialites of the time. But, but no, I, I was just typing Abby Cornish into Wikipedia there, and uh, my phone kept auto-correcting Abby to babies. 
So your phone wants you. It have wings. No, no, because I was looking. I was like, I recognise the name Abby Cornish. What the fuck has she been in? Um, I mean, apart from this, she was in Sucker Punch. Yeah, which I remember seeing. I remember it being okay. I remember it sucked, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was in the uh, the remake of RoboCop, which I have never seen, but I've me neither. I'm kind of interested. I want to see what this is. I'm, I'm morbidly curious. I've I've watched a couple scenes from it. It's alright. Mm, mm. Feels a bit unnecessary, but some of the effect shots are awesome. There's a great shot where they like peel back the full suit, and you basically just see like his like what's actually left of him. So was it like that bit in RoboCop Two or? And it's just, you just basically see like a set of lungs, mm. his fucking, like, his face is like part of his brain mm. and all that kind of stuff. It's really fucking cool. Mm. Anyway, well, cool. Well, that's the guessing game over. Da, 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 so, da, da. <laughs> to, to preface this movie, I really like this movie. I think it's really fucking good. I have no fucking clue why I think that. I have an idea. Uh, I have an idea I, of why people of, of you mm. and mine and our generation like this movie. Go on. Right. So, this movie came out when we were... Ooh. Okay, yes. When we were very, when we were in our mid to late teens. So, we would have been about 15 years of age, give or right. take, and we would have been and, and we would have been discovering, like, uh, you know, movies that every sort of teenager starts to like freak out about like uh quentin tarantino movies yes right? yes pulp fiction and i'm not saying thing. this is like a tarantino movie i'm just saying like there's parts of it that feel, it has that dna that feels kind of tarantino-ish especially like uh very early on in the movie he's talking about you know i was married once that does like these quick flash cuts to like yes yes to like flashbacks to the stuff happened before that happens quite a lot in the early parts of this movies and that is something uh-huh. that a lot of these sort of well they actually exercise the rule of three with that yeah. There's, there's a joke that they use and at first it's like oh fuck they are spending their uses of this joke really fucking quickly mm. they do the the classic like oh there's no way I would ever do that smash cut to them doing the thing there's like that joke is used repeatedly within the first about I'd say 20 minutes of the film yeah, it's doing but the, again they stick to the rule of threes that joke only comes up three yeah. times and but the third time's like, the best one it's, it's basically doing that you know how in film they all say show don't tell Tarantino does both. Yes. Where like uh, he shows and then he, he tells and then he shows. Uh-huh. This movie does that, and I think a lot of kids our age when they were watching this, you know, uh, were it like, makes you feel a lot smarter. We're like, oh my god, are. this is amazing. We never see this, you know. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that that's just a small part of it. I think that comes into it where it's like this is one of these movies that you know film nerds. It's a first. formative movie for yeah. film nerds. <laughs> film nerds. Of our generation. Film nerds' first movie, to, you know. Yeah. To. To kind of elaborate on the point I'm making, right? The first half hour of this movie, right, is pure teenage power fantasy, right? It reads like... Like, this film reads very poorly, right? Like, Mm -hmm. man discovers magic pill and all of a sudden he's the smartest fucking man in the world. He's a millionaire. He goes to the stock trade. He's shagging supermodel. He's going out to all the hot fucking parties and everybody loves him and he's amazing. He's right? able to potentially murder women and get away with it. Woo! We'll get away, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Power <laughs> fantasy. Aye. But here's the thing, right? Yeah. It's the way that the film the film is shot in such a kind of clever way. And the visual language that it uses throughout it is so unique for the time that it was released. 
that I feel like the and obviously Bradley Cooper's performance as well mm-hmm. is fucking stellar. It pulls you in despite that. Not only that, right? But like this film, again on paper, is a fucking mess, right? Mm. This film is not one story. There, I can throughout watching this, I can. In, at the very least, on the surface level, I can identify three main stories happening in this film in the exact same fucking time. Well, yeah, that's, right. a, that's a common thing, though. No, no, but here's the thing. They're not even treated as, like, A, B, and C. Mm. They're all treated with the same level of reverence throughout the movie to the point where it almost feels like you're watching not necessarily a movie, rather a series of vignettes that are just kind of happening to this character. And the circumstances would happen, this did spawn a TV show. It did spawn a TV show. Only lasted one season. Only lasted one season, ran from 2015 to 2016. Was uh, pretty decent. I I I, I I didn't see any of it. I have watched the full thing. I think it was thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, It does explain a couple of the quote-unquote plot holes that pop up throughout this movie in terms of NZT and how the drug itself actually works in a way that only a TV show can really do with the amount of time it has. Hmm. If you're a fan of the film, I would recommend looking up the show. You're definitely going to enjoy it. If you didn't enjoy the film, the show isn't going to change your does, mind. Does Bradley Cooper come back for the show? He does. He's in oh. four episodes. He's in four full episodes of the show. Oh, so it isn't even about him? No, it is oh, not okay. about him. It is about right. another character. All right, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, to my point, there are three stories happening in this film at once, right? Mm-hmm. Firstly, you've got this eat, pray, love story of self-improvement that Bradley Cooper's on, right? Where he gets fucking, <laughs> where he gets done, it, where he gets fucking dumped by his girlfriend, and he has mm-hmm. this, this see this like fucking journey of self-discovery of loving himself for who he really is, and that inevitably leading him to live a much fuller life, right? Mm-hmm. You then have this dense uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Wall Street money never sleep style kind of. Uh, politically sort of thriller with his rise to power throughout the stock market and then running for senator towards the end of the movie with Carl Van Loon as his and main then antagonist. You have, then, and then you have GTA 4. Yeah, and then you have a, <laughs> then you have a gangland and like almost train spotting-esque kind of film. Like It's like almost a kind of fish-out-of-water situation where this ex-drug addict all of a sudden is pulled back into the life by this, by this newfangled drug. The, and the various consequences of him being back into his addiction, his attempts to kick it, how it affects his relationships with other characters, right? Any one of these three ideas would make a fine film on its own. No, oh, no, no, technically there's four, because then you've got the... Uh... I'm just talking surface level. The fourth one, what would the fourth one be? The, the moneylender guy. He's part of the, the gangland stuff. Yeah. He specifically lends money to get more NZT. And he, so he ends up as a part of the NZT. The only reason he's not bad with him is because he comes back looking for mm. the drug. Yeah. He pays up. He pays off the moneylender within half of that. Kills that stone dead. The only reason the moneylender comes back, the drug. Yeah. He's the main antagonist but, of the drug storyline. Mm-hmm. So, like, like I said, any one of these three stories would make a fine movie on its own, right? As, <laughs> as evidenced by the examples I gave of each movie. Although Eat Pray Love is kind of fucking dodgy. April right. Love is a shit movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's supremely dodgy. <laughs> no, it's not even just dodgy, it's just shit. Simmer down, simmer down, you'll piss off the white girls. And uh, if I can... Come at me, white girls, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Your crystals will do nothing to me, they don't work. 
But despite all of that, the film somehow manages to combine these three stories together well enough that it becomes this coherent thing. And again, on paper, it's a fucking mess. Not only do each of these stories have their own thing, they all have their own antagonists as well. And to form, like, in terms of the self-improvement stuff, the antagonist, ironically enough, is Lindy. His girlfriend slash fiancé as he attempts to fucking propose to her at one point. Main antagonist, as I mentioned, of the financial side of things is Carl Van Loon, played beautifully by Robert De Niro. And then with the drug story, we have the moneylender, the loan shark, who is never named in the, say, dur- in the duration Carl of the movie. Lo- I wouldn't say Carl Van Loon is an antagonist in that part of the movie. He is at the end, but I don't think he's an antagonist in part of the financial. But I would you say tell that- me when you tell me that when Eddie tries to leave the company at the end of the, the thing, and he is straight up fucking threatened by Carl Van Loon that he is not an antagonist. What when he's a politician? No. Much uh, earlier, I can give no, you the quote. I, would, I can give no, you the quote. I would, I would say you the other guy. You don't know how to. You don't know how to assess your competition because you've never competed. Do not make me your competition. Eh, I just. That's that a direct was, quote from Carl Van Loon. Just posturing. I would. I would have said that the other guy, the the one that they're trying to get the. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The the merger with was the. Uh, he has no effect on him whatsoever. His know, his bodyguard does. Carl Van Loon is much more of an antagonist than his uh, that bodyguard. Than Atwood is. That bodyguard, by the way, it took me. I, I saw fucking him. phenomenal. I saw him and I was looking at him. I was like, I know that guy. I know him. Uh, it took me ages to figure out he's in fucking Gladiator. He's the yes. guy that uh, what is he? he's Commodus's bodyguard. Uh, right at the end, he's like, "Give me your sword," and he just doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, despite this film having three main storylines with three main villains throughout it this is the exact same problem that numerous films before it have had where this can kill movies where there's just too much shit going on and none of it gets a satisfying conclusion mm. yeah this film fucking does it out of nowhere it in the last 10 minutes of this movie sorry mm. 20 minutes I should say in the last 20 minutes of this movie it solves everything that goes on and admittedly, there are elements of it that do feel quite a bit rushed. The Carl Van Loon storyline in particular, I don't think that that's really a satisfying ending there's for my money. There's elements of this that feel dated as fuck. Like, and I can pinpoint one. Dated. I can pinpoint one uh, right at the beginning where it's you know. Go ahead. You know, the film begins at the end, so then you've got the little narration going on. See if that fucking little scratch, the record scratch, came in. Yeah, fucking... that's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It feels like one. It is. It's from that time. It's from it is, those yes. vine. It's from those vine days. So, so you know that is. <laughs> it is an narrative device used. The end of the film even uses the twelve months later pish. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah, but uh, despite that, the rest of the despite these seemingly like glaring problems with the film, all of the beats in between those moments are so fucking interesting and. Yeah, so nice, well uh, done and so well shot and edited and just generally put together. Yeah, it's just a nice little Hollywood uh, popcorn flick. It's so fucking... I, honestly, I would argue it's even more than that in terms of the way it's shot because it is very smartly done. One example of this is their use of different film stocks in order to show the difference between Eddie when he's on the drug versus he's off it. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's been done before. but It's been done before, but it's done to great it, effect but in this, this is movie. A, but this is another thing where I was going to mention when I was like, it's film nerds first... Yeah, because I, I guarantee you, I 
guarantee damn you, right? There is at least one essay written by a by a film student in an NQ class <laughs> where uh, there where the where they will highlight the fucking color changes. It was like as you can see when he's not on the drug, oh, everything, no, it's, everything's grey, slightly it's washed co- out it's, colors. It's more than just color changes. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But like this is what they're going to be writing. You know, it'll be like yeah, yeah. Everything's all grey and washed out, fucking uh, sepia tone almost. But like, but as soon as take, uh, that's just to highlight that he's depressed. He's going nowhere. Mm. And then as soon as he takes drugs, wow, color so much so I actually had to turn the color down on my TV. <laughs> Because I was sitting there, I was like, ah, that doesn't look that natural. Kind of de- that kind of defeats the purpose a bit, doesn't it? No, I had it up really high. All oh, right, okay, you're right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And where everything, everything just started to look like a, a fucking arc album cover. Ah, uh, I, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. So but, to, to elaborate on the point I was making, there are two different film stocks used. One for when Eddie is on NZT versus one on, when he's off it. When he is off NZT, they use Fuji film stock. <laughs> which is which deals with harsh light really well, but also is kind of washed out and ho- washed out and has quite a bit of grain in it. So it's used by a lot of filmmakers to give that kind of classic effect. Yeah, yeah. When he's on it, they switch to Kodak. Yeah, because when he's off it, it does it does kind of remind me of like a fucking seventies um, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has that kind of grit to it. When he's on it, they switch to Kodak. Odak, which is a very clean grain, almost imperceptible to the point where there's parts where it looks like it was filmed digitally. It's not. This was all shot on film. No, you can tell something was shot digitally because yeah. if you do it badly, it looks like shit. So. But if you do it well, uh-huh. yeah. And incredibly rich colours as well with Kodak. On top of that, whenever he's on the drug, the camera is is placed on rigs for the most part, right? It's also shot or slightly below his eye line. And a little bit further back to give this idea that you're taking in more of the picture. Mm. Whereas when he's on the drug, handheld cameras, up close, cameras level with his eyes. So that immediately you're right back in that kind of, oh, this is how normal folk would see the fucking world. Which I just think is real. Which is, to be honest, a lot more thought put into the film than... To, to give an example, although it's a f- fantastic film, Train Spotting, in which they just do, let's just make trippy shit when he's on the drug and play looted. I mean, <laughs> it works for the I, film that they're I've doing. I've never done heroin, but you know. No, it works for the film they're doing and the drug that they're portraying, uh, but yeah. Or let's just have a close up shot of his virus going mental and then show everything happening in fast motion. Mm. Fucking kick ass. But yeah. And Birds of Prey as well does the same thing. Yeah, I still think the best uh, movie. So, yeah. I still think the best movie with like to show like using different uh, filming techniques to show different effects of drugs is Fear and Loathing. But one hundred percent, yeah, that is the <laughs> that is the undisputed king <laughs> of that shit. shit. You're uh, you're not going to touch that movie in terms of uh, how well it's shot and with the the various different states that uh, Hunter S. Thompson would get himself in. This movie reminded me of my fear and loathing days, but we'll get into that. So. We will, yes. So now, we'll, we, shall we get into the <laughs> film proper? Yeah. So the film begins with credits set against a black background and the sound of a battering ram hitting a strong door, the credits changing with each consecutive hit. Our main character, Eddie, played As, by... That was also very, like, early 2010s. That was, it was, yeah. That was, like, something that would be on, like, fucking... Uh, or late 2000s. That would be, like, something that you'd see. I don't know if it did, because I can't remember. 
but it's like something that would be on like shoot em up or on a fucking yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it called uh, smoking aces yes and that sort of shit but uh, yeah I liked it it feels quite uh, it feels a bit Guy Ritchie to me it feels like kind of Lockstock mm. or even Snatch it feels like the kind of thing that would be in one of those that's a guy that depending on how he's, that's a guy that his movies just dip in quality all the time but you know oh yeah and then every now and then he'll just hit it with a fucking <laughs> banger and save himself <laughs> Yeah. Like he'll just he'll start making shit and then all of a sudden it'll be like he made Lockstock, then he made Snatch. Then he made Revolver. Then he made Revolver. And fucking swept away. He swept away. And then he made Rock and Roller. Which is pretty decent, but mm. not amazing. Yeah. Then he went back to making kind of meh films. No, he didn't. After after Revolver. Oh, after what did he make after, after Rock and Roller? Roller, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> fucking Sherlock Oh fuck yeah, I forgot he done Sherlock Holmes, yeah. But then he done the second Sherlock Holmes movie. Uh-huh. Which was kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of plodded along for a couple of years. And then the fucking gentleman come out. Yeah, but now he's doing shit again. Yeah. I mean, well, Rafa Man was okay, but then last year he had... Where was it this year? I can't remember. But he had two movies come out. One of them was dog shit, and the other was just kind of alright. Operation Fortune and... Um, the Covenant with Jake Gyllenhaal. And, yeah, and from it. what I've seen, it's like his take on like American Sniper, so... Yeah, it's... Yeah. It is what it is. But anyway... So, our main character, Eddie, played brilliantly by Bradley Cooper. I've only seen Bradley Cooper in, like, this, the Hangover movies, and, uh... The midnight Meat Train. The fucking Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> you've, seen, you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, haven't you? Yeah, but I wouldn't really count that as him being there, because all he does... He's in, a vo- he's in a fucking voiceover booth. He isn't the one playing Rocket Raccoon. That's fucking... What's his name? Um, Sean Gunn. Yeah. He's still, I would say his voice gives a lot to the performance, enough to credit him with the Yeah, but I never, remem- but I never remember it's him... That's so. good though. It's because he's doing the voice well. Yeah, but I'm like, yeah, Bradley Cooper. It's a good fucking job. Midnight Meat Train's a good movie. That's <laughs> yeah, fucking phenomenal. <laughs> That's a movie we need to do at some point. Yeah. So Eddie narrates the start of the movie, and the killer soundtrack kicks in. I fucking love the soundtrack to this movie, by it's the mostly way. Mostly Black Keys, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But beyond that, the actual score for the movie as well, really fucking well done. Mm-hmm. So we then get our first line, I was this close to having an impact on the world. Now the only thing I was going to have an impact on was the sidewalk. That was a good line. I like that. <laughs> the camera falls off the building into a title card and we get a pretty cool shot that we'll see repeated a few times in this movie. Uh, it kind of looks like a mix of still images and actual film. Oh no, it was just still but images. It, look, yeah. yeah. It was just still images. and. Um, Do you know the way they done it? No. <laughs> What they had was they had uh, they essentially had a green screen up the back and actors moving in front of it. The still image was projected in the green screen. The camera would pa- would essentially zoom in mm. until it was like the image was essentially filling up the full fucking thing. They couldn't see any of the actors anymore. They would then change the image on the green screen, reset the camera, get new actors in, do it again, and then cut all of those shots together consecutively so it looks like one long-ass zoom. Really well done. F- yeah. Fantastic bit of editing. It's ba- we find out it's based in the novel. Well, we see Eddie at his lowest as a struggling writer. <laughs> does anybody without a drug or alcohol problem have to look like me? Yeah, <laughs> does it, does a phenomenal line that can only be that could only be written by someone that has been in this situation. I was before. looking at him. I was like, I looked like that, but you know, uh, I didn't. I'm saying fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a drug problem. I just liked them. So. I didn't have a problem with drugs. I, I fucking loved them. I, mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. 
<laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing them every day, you know, it was the weekends, but you know. <laughs> oh, then lockdown, come, come then lockdown happens. Ooh. Come on to fuck. There's, yeah. <laughs> mm. Anyway. <laughs> So we see him kind of going about his day to day as he tells us, yes, he has a writer. We see a quick montage of him in his room, so in his apartment even, being like, just stay in the room. That's all you need to do. Just stay in the room and get words on paper. We see him then in various diff- different shots of him just being in despair. Unable to fucking write. Uh. Yeah, unable to get oh. a single word on the page. Uh, Fuck me, I've been there. Right? Yeah, we depressing been there. as shit. We've been there. <laughs> Fucking, uh, yeah. He then says, at least I still had Lindy. Cue a breakup scene. Can uh, I just mention as well, this bar that he goes to drinking, that bar looks cool as shit. I would go there. He's not at a bar in this scene, it's a rest. it's like a... No, no, no I know, I know, but before that, he's like, just, just stay in the room, he fucking leaves, right? And you see him trying to explain what his book is. Yes, yes. You see him trying that to explain... That bar looks pretty cool, it's a nice wee dive bar. Uh-huh. Um, it looked kind of like, uh, it looked like a smaller version of Solid. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, yeah. Oh fuck yeah! If you don't know what solid is, solid is very uh, solid rock cafe in Glasgow. Hell yeah, it's in a shite hole part of Glasgow, and it sometimes smells like a shite hole, but it's good. Really uh, good. Yeah, <laughs> they fixed the sewage pipes; it doesn't smell like shit anymore. So woo! Yeah, it's, it's got this mural outside that changes all the time. It used to have Pinhead on it. At one point, it was Lemmy. Uh, they got a yeah. bunch of like guitars hanging up in there from actual. It stayed people. as Lemmy for quite a bit now. I think it's changing now, though. Did they change it recently? Last time I was down, it was Lemmy. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been, but yeah, it's good. I like it now. So the entire movie is narrated by future Eddie. Mm -hmm. Now, narration is something that we've seen narration done poorly on this show when we covered The Invisible Man. (laughs) Narration is a fucking tightrope walk. It is incredibly difficult to get right, and it is so insanely easy to fuck it all up. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say this film does it fairly well. There are points throughout it where it's a little bit egregious, but for the most part, yeah, it's it's pretty well. It gives us a nice insight into the character and what he's thinking about in any given moment that we wouldn't be able to see otherwise. It doesn't really say anything that isn't... So it doesn't really say anything that's already, like, glaringly apparent just by yeah, watching the, the film. Narration, the narration in this... It does was, fairly well. The narration in this, it wasn't, like, film noir type narration it kind of reminded no. me of um uh fear and loathing the narration in that yeah yeah um, i would go with that and i i enjoyed that so you know it was fine see in my mind it went more along on lines of see i went more to the narration and <laughs> admittedly another drug movie uh train spotting it kind of reminded me of that a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially when he's uh, sort of off the drug slightly later in the film and he's talking about like how he felt and all that that was very train spotting to me uh, when Renton's going through the, like his checklist for getting after smack. Yeah, uh, one of my, <laughs> one of my American cousins messaged me. They just watched Train Spotting. Oh no! And they were like, "Is this what it's really like in Scotland?" I was like, Not really, but you know. In some places, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I could give I could give you a couple of addresses. I was sitting there. I was like, most of the places, <laughs> most of the places that you see in that movie aren't there anymore. But yeah. Oh, aye, they were all knocked down, weren't they? Well, yeah, it was. It was filmed in Glasgow, so. Yeah. Aye, they shot Glasgow for Edinburgh. Except for that. Uh, except for the intro. Aye, the intro is Edinburgh. Yeah, Princess aye. Street. Yeah. I've, I've <laughs> down I've ran down that street. It's great. Oh, every cunt's run the Princess yeah. Street. <laughs> oh, you saying I'm a cunt? Aye. Oh, you're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> on. 
Uh, after the breakup, Eddie bumps into his ex-brother-in-law from his previous marriage. This cunt looks a lot like Jim Carrey. He does. Like, oh. Um, he has that jawline. Mm. He has the Carrey jawline. Uh, we get a fantastic line here from the narration. Uh, of all the useless relationships, better forgotten and put away in mothballs, is there any more useless than the ex-brother-in-law? And the brother, the ex-brother-in-law also says... Uh, uh, do I still look like a drug dealer? You know, because he's asking what he's, he's doing. Like, yes, you fucking do. No, he doesn't. Right, and I... <laughs> right. Yes, he fucking does. No, he doesn't. That's, he that's, just looks like a different type of drug dealer. No, that's just a movie thing, right? Drug dealers, right? Every drug dealer I've met does not look like this. Fuck me, here we go. Right. Every drug dealer I've met does not look like this. The only people that are involved in the drugs business that look like that are the people that are supplying, right? Not the dealers, right? right. Dealers look like me. <laughs> Dealers look to, like me. Do right? I need to edit this out so that you don't go to jail? No, because I never did anything. Right, phenomenal. That's all I needed you to say. Because right? <laughs> it sounded a hell of a lot like a confession for a couple that seconds. That they can eh? prove. <laughs> but no. Uh... <laughs> you don't need to get that close to the fucking microphone, man. Yeah, well, I did. I'm wearing the headphones. That shit hurt. <laughs> But yeah, uh, no, but, you know, I can speak from experience. Most drug dealers I have met do not look like that, right? No, they just don't look like cunts. At most, at the most, right? Aye. Uh, I did know a drug dealer that bought a fucking big-ass BMW, but when you got in it and you looked at what he was wearing, just me. Yeah. (laughs) He was the guy that... uh, Hoodies and blue jeans. Yeah. He was the guy that was... um, I don't know if I've told this story on the show before, but... um, Stop. It's not illegal. Okay. But uh, I got in his car right, to purchase some uh, stuff. And, For fuck's uh, sake. <laughs> <laughs> it's not illegal. So I was buying drugs, right? right. And uh, <laughs> on his dashboard was uh, a copy of uh, The Last of Us Part 2. Oh, shit. Nice one. So I, was, uh, I, I couldn't tell if it was still in the packaging or if it was like opened at this point. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, have you played that yet? And he was like, no, 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 no. But I played the first one. I fucking loved it. Have you played the second one? I was like, no, I haven't. He was like, all right, well... Here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> text me back and like the next time, next time you see me, I'll tell you if it was good or not. So I was like, ah, cool, cool. You know, yeah. Sure enough, a couple of days later, mm-hmm. get back in the car and uh, I was, I, I asked him, I'm like, so did you play Last of Us 2? And he was like, mate. <laughs> mate. A, mate. That is how you know you're getting a fucking awesome story when somebody drugged up as fuck just goes, mate. No, he wasn't, no, he wasn't high as fuck. He was driving. <laughs> he was dealing. He was that high. does not, that he does was, not no, he, he was, him. he was dealing and he was driving. He, you do not want a high dealer. He was driving. He was driving, he was driving in Glasgow. That does not exclude him from being high as fuck. Ah, well, but anyway, he was like, mate. Mate, have you played the second one yet? I'm like, no, I haven't. He was like, oh, fucking hell, mate. This game's amazing, but you need to play it straight after playing the first one. Buy the first one if you're going to buy the second one. It adds to the emotionality of the second game. Emotionality? And I'm sitting there like... What a fucking word. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. I will do this. I haven't done it, but but, but I I will. I bet you that guy's shit hot at Scrabble. Emotionality. He probably is. I mean... (laughs) He speaks more languages than me, so I assume he is. So, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> great guy. So, in short, the brother-in-law doesn't look like a, a drug dealer. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> so anyway, we get another the second one of our. So the first of our fairly funny kind of cuts to this. Uh, they ask him, the brother-in-law asks him out out for a drink. Eddie replies, "I don't know. It's two in the afternoon." Vern quite shittily 
I might add, says, when has that stopped you before? Cunt move, I Vern. Mean, oh, I mean, his name's Vernon, by the way. I mean, I've used Cunt that. move, Vern. I've used that line a few times, you know. Cunt move. <laughs> You're speaking and, to an ex-alcoholic. Cunt move. Anyway. Oh, this person wasn't an alcoholic. It was fine. All right, that's sound then. <laughs> but, uh, we then cut to them, the two of them in the bar. After a brief conversation about what they've been up to, Vern tells Eddie he's been working for a pharmaceutical company and offers him him a single clear pill, claiming that it'll help him with his writer's block. Eddie considers the pill in his walk home, asks him, like, not considers the pill and is like, nah, fuck off, what the hell is this? Vern gives him a big spiel about how it's, oh, it's, I work for this genuine company, here's my business card, it's fucking FDA approved, it's going to come out next year, that's £800 a pill I'm giving you. <laughs> Sorry, $800 a pill. So you're fucking welcome. And then he pisses off. Yeah. On his walk home, he considers taking the pill and eventually, just before he goes through the door, he's like, ah, fuck it. How worse could it get? And gubs the thing. He sniffs it, which I was sitting there and was like, how the it's fuck... It's a fucking you- pill. Yeah, I'm like, how the fuck are you going to discern what's in a, what's in a pill you're just sniffing it? Maybe he's like some mad savant. He's like sniffing pills and just going, that's fucking paracetamol. That's... Well, it's got dihydrogen chloride in that shit, man. Aye, oh. aye. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he then bumps into his landlord's, his landlord's young wife, his words, not mine, who begins to berate him for his laziness while Eddie worries about what's going to happen when the drug kicks in because at this point he realises, I've just taken an unknown substance and now I've got my landlord's wife fucking raging at me because I'm a lazy cunt. If this is a hallucinogen, I'm fucked. Like, <laughs> and this is this is this scene when he starts like talking about uh, you know you lost when he starts like pointing out everything she's got right. This is a redditor. This is after this is after the pill kicks in. Oh. Uh, the effect, but the effect used for when the pill kicks in is really fucking cool. Essentially, the cam, well, like the fucking basically the field of view just expands to the point where it kind of turns into like almost a fisheye lens kind of shot. Mm. And the colour grading in the world completely changes. Obviously, we mentioned they switch to the Kodak film stop, but they also, like, up the saturation of, like, the shot as well, digitally and, like, in fucking... He sees a red, he sees a doppelganger of himself climbing up the stairs. They use that double effect a few times. Yeah. Uh, Eddie then asks her why she's so upset. Yeah, this the part, reasoning that this she has part, every right to be angry at yeah, him, but not this angry. This part is just a fucking Redditor's wet dream. I swear yep. to Christ, every time you read any of these fake fucking stories on, like, fucking... Uh, oh, yeah, it always goes this kind of way. Oh, uh, it's like, oh, you've been watching Limitless. <laughs> yeah. So he notices a corner of a book in her bag and remembers it from years prior. And I'll mm. quote, A memory I'd never even recorded, or was it there the whole time, and all I needed was the access. Now, okay, actually, it's at this point I want to point out a myth that this film perpetuates. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well, where he's like, oh, this, you know how you, you, know how you only use 20% of your brain? You don't. The whole brain's important, that's why lobotomies fuck you up, right? It's yeah. it's a fucking myth that, that you that only m- access 20% of your brain at the time. This film and another film that would come out slightly oh, later Lucy. called Lucy. Yeah, we need to watch that. We do, yeah. <laughs> uh, Luc Besson. <laughs> yeah. Both perpetuate this myth. The idea of the pill. So I should have discussed this earlier. I should have mentioned this earlier when Vern was given him, but I totally fucking slipped. What the pill does is it allows you to access one hundred percent of your brain. That's the whole idea, right? Is that this myth in the world of this movie? The myth that you only access twenty percent of your brain at a time is real, and this pill fucking unlocks all of your potential. So basically, it's just cocaine. 
No. No. Essentially. No. Cocaine just spikes your fucking heart rate. <laughs> well, I, cocaine never really did anything for, to me, but, you know. Yeah, because you've got undiagnosed ADHD. <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> so the next so of course all of this newfound intelligence mm-hmm. leads to him banging the shit out of didn't this give me woman any, who is called Valerie Valerie right? didn't give me any intelligence though I just destroyed it but you know <laughs> he then goes home and is suddenly struck by how untidy everything is mm. uh, there's another good editing joke here which is my first thought torch it we then cut to him washing <laughs> the but we then cut to him washing the dishes saying our heads prevailed we then get a lovely sequence in which we get that same doppelganger kind of shot where there's multiple eddies all jump. Every time mm-hmm. I say eddies, I feel like I'm talking about fucking cyberpunk. But uh, there's multiple eddies throughout the mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout the flat. Can all I just, doing can a I bit say, to fucking tidy up. Can I just say, if you leave a bunch of your pots in the sink... Yes. ...and there's fucking spaghetti hoops still in the pot... Yes. What the fuck are you doing with your wife? Like, what the fuck? I think that's the point of the fucking I know, character I know, is that he I wasn't know, doing anything I know, with his life. But, but I've met people that do this. I know people that do this. And I'm looking at them. Not you. I'm looking at them. I was, I was going to say, dude, depression. Like, that's a thing. No, I haven't seen any in your house. It's fine. But there, there, there have been, there have been, the, there have, there was once upon a time back when I was one unmedicated and un, I don't know, therapized? Pre-therapy? What the fuck uh, would you call that? I don't know. Before I'd sort it my shit. Before I was a precog, I don't know. I don't know. Before I was precognitive, I don't yes. know. Uh, before I'd fucking figured my shit out, basically, uh, mm. there was days where that would just fucking pile up and it was shite. And yeah, yeah there would be literally, like, literally, you mentioned spaghetti hoops fucking in. <laughs> like, mm. Specifically <laughs> the ones with the sausages through them, because that was a full meal in a tin. Also, and, Maybe if your sink is filled with pots that have spaghetti hoops and drugs isn't the best idea. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, who knows. We care. <laughs> don't do drugs. Coming for you. I don't do drugs. Anymore. They, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, once again, the soundtrack is dynamite. Throughout this montage of Eddie Tidy in his flat, we was get... this the Black Keys This again? was the Black Keys, yeah. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh. Fucking great tune. This film introduced me to the Black Keys. This and a Deadpool fan movie uh, that was on YouTube that uses their song Your Touch so it's as the Howl- credit scene. So this song is Howlin' For You? Yes. Uh, this movie didn't introduce me to the Black Keys because i never seen it. Uh, my cousin introduced me to the Black Keys. We were outside the Mormon church and he was, he was fucking... Uh, he loved the Black Keys, so we just sat in his car for the entire time just listening to the Black Keys. So... Well, we then throughout this montage at the end of the montage he begins writing his book and we sit down and you see him, him typing everything up and you can see the words pouring down from the ceiling around him as he's surrounded uh, by this visual effect which again is a really kind of cool way of showing like how his things nice. working at that time it just looks what, really pretty do you know what it reminded me of have you seen um, clips from there's this concert venue in Vegas now it's called like The Sphere yeah. yeah. Have it you looks seen like, like U2 in there with all their shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it looks look, like that, yeah. It looked like that. I was like, whoa, fuck. 
But no, See, this is this is pretty much that. But it also reminded me of uh, that bit in fucking Bruce Almighty where he's replying to all the prayer emails. Mm, yeah. And you just see him like getting more frantic as time goes on. Mm, yeah. <laughs> two two very big extremes. I feel like a U two concert and fucking a Jim Carrey movie. Like, I don't even. I haven't even listened to you two that often. I don't. Right? That, that's one of those bands that's kind of like. Bono's a cunt. Anyway, yeah, so. he is a bit of a prick. But they're one of those. They're they, they're one of those bands where it's like I haven't listened to a lot of their stuff, so they're on my list. You know? I don't know. Sunday Bloody Sunday is a decent tune. I like the um, Vertigo song. You know. Vertigo's good, yeah. But then there was that whole. They also hi- thing. Yeah, they also hijacked every cunt's iPod in like 2010, 12. 14, 13. When were we in school when that happened? I don't know. You might uh, have been, I might not have been. I wasn't in school in 2014, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know when it was, but yeah, I remember that too. But yeah. Uh, bullshit. But no, uh, this is what it's like. You, you, you're sitting there and you're trying to write for ages, and suddenly, I mean, suddenly, I Suddenly, inspirational strike, and next thing you know, you've got through. Like, it happens to me editing this, this show. Like, I'll be sitting there mm. and I'll be like, where the fuck? Like, where is this? How am I going to fucking get this done in time for Wednesday or Tuesday or whenever I mean, it's going yeah. out? And then all of a sudden, it'll just be like, fucking. I mean, obviously, the fucking light bulb goes off, and you're just like, ah. I mean, obviously, our listeners don't know about this one, but that uh, the uh, the fucking um, short horror thing I wrote, the David Lynchy one. I want to make that so fucking yeah, that, badly, that's, by the way. Because I was telling, a, I had a sort of a, a sort of pact with a friend of the show that I would write something and she would write something. Uh, yeah. I wrote the thing. <laughs> she did too. But, um, yeah, she did, yeah. but I, I wrote something that was like, I, I was sitting there going like, I'll write it, I'll write it eventually. And I just didn't. But I wrote that one uh, eventually. <laughs> it was good. I liked it. If, yeah, I, say so my, really if, I, if I say so myself. So, uh, yeah, you know. So he then wakes up the next morning back to the desaturated world that he knows so well. Uh, he turns in what he wrote the previous night and tells his agent to read three pages. Mm. If you don't want to read the rest, I'll give you back the advance. One, fucking ballsy move, my guy. Two, that <laughs> cunt can't afford the advance. I don't give a fuck if they gave him a fiver. That cunt's no got it, right? <laughs> That's another thing as well. See when he wakes up and he's like, "The everything's gone." Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> oh yeah, I felt that. that is, Whoa. <laughs> anyone who's ever experienced a hangover knows that fucking where he just wakes up and it's just like. Ugh. So here's a here's a story of peak degeneracy, right? Oh god damn! Do I need to sit down for this? I uh, know you already know this. I was texting you throughout it. Oh fuck! Sorry. Um. <laughs> so, uh, me and a friend decided that we were going to uh, do a lot of stuff. And uh, watch a lot of activities, a lot of psychedelics, and watch um, <laughs> every Twilight movie. Yeah. Um, so we did. We've actually, we've talked about this on the show before. Oh, did we? Okay. Yes. Well, you know, you start to lose, uh, you know, every, all the concept of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, by the next thing you know, you're on Breaking Dawn Part Two, and it's ten o'clock in the morning the next day, and yeah, you. You know, you finish, your friend leaves, and then... You close your eyes, all you can see is Michael Sheen's face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually have every Twilight movie in an unopened DVD pack. I'm not surprised. I didn't buy it, my grand gave me it. What the fuck? As far as she knew, there was vampires in it. I like horror movies. She gave me those. So, she doesn't know what they are. God bless you. And I didn't have the heart... God bless you. And you know, I, obviously I didn't have the heart to be like, these movies fucking suck. Of but, course know. not. You don't so, do uh, that. No. You don't do that to your granny. You they're, you they're, not in my, they're not in my DVD collection. They'll do where they are. Glasgow? No, no, no. no. I still I still have them. Oh, where are they? They're in my room in my actual bookcase. <laughs> because nobody ever goes into my room. Yeah. So. <laughs> they're just in a bookcase. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Next to the Necronomicon. 
<laughs> That's fucking golden. HP Lovecraft and then Stephanie Myers Twilight. So from one racist to another. Is she racist? A little bit, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know that. I knew she was a Mormon, but I didn't know she was racist. Yeah, she she caught a lot of shit for the way she writes uh, indigenous people in those books. Uh, as well as, uh, as well as the fact that one of her main like hero vampire characters flat out says he was in the Confederacy. Yeah, and it's like it's not even like a oh yeah I was a part of that. It was a time of history. It was shit. He's just basically like he just says it very matter of factly. Like that it should be, be fucking a, fine. That seems to be a then. thing though with a lot of American vampire stuff or a lot of them. Yeah, there's like, always one of them that's just like a, a Confederate. Yeah, I can think of Lance Henriksen in Near Dark. Yeah, uh, yeah. That just seems to be a thing. I don't it's, know. it's a trope that is very not good. <laughs> I was sitting there, I was like, how did she write her name? I haven't read the books, right? So I I only have the movies for reference. So I was like, how did she write indigenous people just as muscle-bound frat boys? I'm like, ah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and they're all like incredibly stupid as shit in terms of the film. Oh, the moon is coming over. Yeah, it's very stereotypical the way they write them. Oh, Big Chief says no. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of that pish. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of that, that standard. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's fucking gross, especially for the time that those books came out. Like, it's just not okay. Hmm. <laughs> Twilight. Oh. We knew better by the time those books came out. I also did that with. I also did that whole fucking thing with Star Wars. See the morning after those. Holy fuck. Yeah, some of the texts I got you from the Star Wars one were fucking golden. <laughs> Was I texting you during that as well? Yes, you were. Hmm. <laughs> okay. One text that I got uh, about. I think this was. I think this was about half past two in the morning, give or take. Right. Uh, it was, uh, I, I, what was it again? I think it was four words in total. <laughs> uh, it just said, I want Jabba's bong. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay. and if I wasn't such a massive Star Wars fan, I would, could have swore you wanted to shag the slug. But <laughs> because I've seen that film more times than I can count, I know exactly what scene you were on. In which film you were watching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Return of the Jedi when he like smokes the fucking like the bong has like a frog in it. Yeah, or like it's kind, yeah. of, it's kind of like that bit from Barbarella, the essence of man. A little bit, yeah, mm. yeah. Holy fuck, I've never put that together, but it's spot on. <clears throat> it's that fucking scene. That was a good movie. God, that Barbarella was not a good movie. Barbarella was a good. <laughs> it was not a good movie. Was I high? Yes. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, so was I, but it was. <laughs> were you? Yeah. Oh, okay. That was that was one of the B movie nights. Remember? Were you high for that? Fuck oh, yeah. yeah! I thought you were just drinking. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't drinking. Yeah, okay. Was that the same one where I was just munching on like a a, a bowl of um, uh, shrooms? Yes. Right. <laughs> no wait, no, no. That wasn't that. That was the one where <laughs> you fucked up because that was the one where we watched Sleepaway Camp and uh, Brain fucking Brain no, damage. it was Sleepaway Camp and this. Sleepaway Camp Brain da- uh, yeah, Sleepaway Camp Brain Damage and there was a third film called Witch Bitch. Or, uh, Death Spa. Death Spa, but it was also called Witch Bitch. So oh, that was right, like a right, subtitle. Right, okay. <laughs> like so like the first credit says Death Spa, then the credit at the end of the movie says Witch Bitch. Witch Bitch. And then at the end of the credits it says Death Spa again. <laughs> Which bitch are you? Yeah. 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 But uh that's a fucked up. That was a weirdly Holocaust movie. A lot of Holocaust things, like getting gassed in the showers and shit, that oh, happens right. constantly in that movie. I was gonna say I was because 
Do you know what movie we were going to watch for that? But I, I substituted. None of this is going to make oh, it. No, in. no, no, no. I, this might make it in. Uh, <laughs> we were going to watch. Uh, was it was it a Nazi werewolf movie? No, it was Elsa, She Wolf of the SS. Yeah, yeah. And like uh, me and uh, my flatmate watched it just to you know to vet the movie. Uh, and we were like, ah, bro. <laughs> yeah, this isn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how, how well this will go down but. Yeah, uh, for those wondering no we will not cover that film on the show because it is fucking grim <laughs> it's funny though it's funny because of how fucked up it is but it is grim I, I can't see a version of that in which us talking about that film was in any way entertaining for the no, listeners no, no that would be funny Elsa She Wolf for the SS because it's an exploitation movie if we were to talk about so Solo bad, or the 120 Days of Sodom or whatever the fuck I okay, don't think yeah, I could do enough. that but uh, <laughs> I don't think I could do that let's do Songs of the South fuck <laughs> that's a funny movie I don't care what anybody says fuck you that's that a horrific movie, movie. I used to have that in video fuck off for uh, real uh-huh. yeah because it didn't get banned over here oh yeah neither it did no my dad still sings zippity do that occasionally <laughs> um, that's a catchy song to be no, fair no the, on- the only <laughs> I wouldn't do we would do I would do it was a shoot over the SS I don't, I don't think funny. I would I the only sort of holocausty movies I wouldn't do is Salo and the fucking it's not really a holocaust movie it was set in Italy during World War 2 but um, and I would <laughs> I mean you can't make fun of Schindler's List that's just fucked so yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. yeah I wouldn't cover Safe and Private Ryan either because you, you can't really make fun of Normandy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, come on to fuck. <laughs> like, that shit's tragic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can make fun of the aging effect they do on Matt Damon, because that shit looked... That shit aged like a fine milk, but yeah. Mm. Where they just basically just dissolve him into another actor. That An looks... older Private Ryan died in House of the Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway. Who was he in House of the Thousand Corpses? He was, um, do you remember when Walter, Walton Goggins, the sheriff guy? Yeah, he was a sheriff, that's, yeah. He no, was he, was, he was the dad of one of the, the characters yep. in that. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that wasn't, wasn't House of a Thousand Corpses? Yeah, he was. You're thinking, are you, are you sure? Are you not thinking of no. all the fucking, the next one? What was the next one called again? The Devil's Rejects. No, it wasn't yeah. The Devil's Rejects because the sheriff does die in that one and that police officer in The Devil's Rejects was his brother. That's why brother, he's there. not far... Right, like, no, I'm the other yeah. And the, the, other, the, yeah. the older Private Ryan, he's the dad of one of the girls in House of Thousand Corpses and he goes with the police. Yeah, I remember that. I saw House yeah. of Thousand Corpses a bit too much, but yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking weird movie. That was a fucking great song. It's a good song. Weird mm. movie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, fucking, fucking baby fireflies laugh still haunts me to this day. <laughs> Fuck you, it's so fucking annoying. Anyway. Limitless. So, uh, back to the apartment. His agent has left three messages on his answering machine, each one expressing more praise than the last with regards to his book. Eddie attempt- goes to pick up the phone to call back his agent, but, re- but neglects to do so. Instead, choosing to visit Vern. He goes to his apartment where... Everyone answers the door with the classic movie makeup for I just get the shit kicked out of me, mm. which is bruise on the cheek, bruise in the eye, cut across the bridge of the nose. Mm, yeah, it's always those exact same. Yeah, <laughs> if you're if you're yeah, if, you're if you want to get if you want to have like a split a lip, yeah. Yeah, 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 every now and then if you have a really good makeup artist, you'll get a split lip. But other than that, that's the three mainstays: black black eye, bruised cheek, cut nose. 
sometimes a bruised ear. But yeah, yeah. Very rarely. Or or the Very one rarely. or the one just above the hairline, just below the hairline. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah, if they get pistol lot. whipped. <laughs> aye, aye. So Vern then and talks about uh, NGT, stating that it works better if you're already smart. Uh, Vern reveals that the pill is called NZT. That's November Zulu Tango. No, NZT. Oh yeah, November Zulu. November Zulu Tango, forty-eight. And it is be uh, the fact that he said it was FDA approved is a load of horse shit. And then asks Eddie if he wants more. Eddie immediately says yes. Yeah, yeah. He's like has this brief little bit. There's a brief little bit of. Uh, of an inner monologue that we get where he's like, holy fuck, okay, what the hell is this? I need to get the fuck out of here. Clearly this guy's in some trouble. This pill is bad fucking news. What? Who the fuck possibly wants us? Do you want any more? Yeah. Like, it's... Because he does sit there and you can... I mean, he doesn't necessarily say it, but you can... You know, he does sit there and he's thinking to himself, I could probably... Could I get away with a career without taking any of this shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, But that's yeah. just like afterwards, you know, playing like, you know, card with hacks on and then, you know, you get caught and then you can't. Yeah. So you get fucked. <laughs> Pretty much. Foursome. So Eddie immediately, as I said, <laughs> says yes and is sent on an errand run by Vern. He's sent out to get to pick up his dry cleaning and get some breakfast. Mm-hmm. I, I will say as well, having been to New York a few times, see some yeah. of those, just those deli breakfasts that you get over there. They're fucking, they're like, some of them are shit hot. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. That's some good shit. They look so good. Uh-huh. I want to go to New York just to get a bodega sandwich, like a good bodega sandwich. Nice Reuben sandwich. Yeah. You don't need to go to New York for those. You can go to a, there's a Jewish deli down in Gifnuck that has them. Fuck yeah. Good Did matzo. they do fucking matzo ball? Hell yeah. Fuck yes. We also do a chicken soup that on the menu is called Jewish penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. No, they do. Serious? Yeah. That's class. It's called Mark's Deli in Gifnuck. So, upon returning to Vern's apartment, the place has been ransacked and Vern has been killed. Shot in the head. Did they ever things. establish who killed him? Uh, it's implied that it's the, the bodyguard cunt. Alright, okay. Fair enough. Because uh, there's that later scene where he's flicking through the, the address book to find all the, the contacts. And one of the people he rings is that guy. Yeah. So from that, we, you can kind of put two and two together and assume that he's the one that took him out. Yeah, fair enough. So Eddie calls 911 immediately to report the murder, and then while waiting for the police to arrive, he realises that the people who killed Vern were likely looking for NZT. So he begins searching the flat to find some. Eddie's initial search proves fruitless until he sits down next to Vern's body with a bag of take, holding the bag of takeout breakfast and says, shit, if you ever cooked, I'd be dead too. <laughs> Gives him a brainwave. He checks the oven and sure enough, underneath one of the panels is a massive stash of NZT pills. Do you know where Hundreds, I used... possibly thousands of the fuckers. Do you know where I used to hide my stash of weed? Wasn't it in an X-Files box set? So, yes. That was because yeah. uh, one of my flatmates at the time used to steal shit. But um, <laughs> I used to... Uh, but yeah, I would put them in an X-Files box set and then I hid my stash of acid in a copy of From Beyond the Grave, a 70s British horror movie with Peter Cushing. Yeah, I know that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you all, coincidentally, From Beyond the Grave ties into a previous episode we did 
Uh, Go on. Director from Beyond the Grave also did Motel Hell. Check it out. Ooh. Oh, shit. We did Motel Hell. Ooh. See, I plug shit. I'm good for this show. <laughs> you plugged our show on the show. Plugged an episode. Yeah. That they might not have listened to yet. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Motel Hell's doing quite decent, though. Yeah, yeah, it's where I got banned from Minnesota for. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so the cops finally arrive at the door and Eddie is taken to the station for questioning. Uh, questioning, even. It's here that Eddie talks to Melissa, his ex-wife, over the phone for the first time in many years. He suggests meeting up, but she flat out refuses, even telling him not to come to the funeral, saying that they'll meet when this is all over. Uh, Eddie leaves the station after giving the cop his mobile number and heads home. This is where paranoia sets in. Eddie starts to feel like he's being followed. The camera movement begins to get a little bit more erratic and shaky. We're constantly... The camera does that kind of John Carpenter thing a couple of times where Eddie's moving, the camera just stops following him for a bit and we see him walk a couple of paces forward almost as though we are watching him from like mm-hmm. a stalker's perspective. Some really good shit. We then... Eventually, he makes it home and asks himself, is it worth the risk? Talking about the pills. He then follows up with, well, what would you do? Takes a pill, and the soundtrack kicks in, and kicks ass once again. We get a montage of Eddie giving himself a makeover. He goes and gets his hair cut, he gets some new suit. He's working out. He's working out. He also finishes his book in four days. Once again, we get another quote here. A tablet a day, and what I could do with my day was limitless. Do people, do people work out when they're high? He but... said the fucking thing! Hey, sorry. <laughs> he said the title of the movie, Take a Drink. Ooh. <laughs> but do, do, do people really work out when they get really high? I mean, I never did. I mean... An American, I don't know. In American Beauty, he's getting stoned, like, smoking weed, and then he's, like, lifting weights. But I've... I don't... I feel like that's a recipe for disaster. I mean, you're not supposed to operate heavy machinery when you're even slightly inebriated, so imagine being, like, fucking on the weights. Yeah. Fuck that. Then you hear stories of like in the eighties, all these wrestlers are coked out of their minds, <laughs> and you're like, oh, to be know. fair though, that's that's the eighties. Everybody was <laughs> folk were coked out of their mind going for a shit. Like they were just <laughs> that was the default state of like ninety percent of America was just coked out of their fucking mind. Apparently, it's like that here now again. But uh, <laughs> it's getting that way, yeah. yeah the water supply has. Yeah. Oh, there's a phenomenal, <laughs> there's a phenomenal joke by a stand-up comic called Mark Jennings. He was on a show called Breaking the News, uh. and uh, the prompt was was, uh, I think it was like 50% of uh, of people have met their partners doing what? And he changed and just goes, cocaine. <laughs> and I'm just, I can't fault the cunt. <laughs> no, I've done that, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh, but like, I never worked out when I was on drugs. I mean, I, I never did coke. But met like, at the line dancing. Anyway. Uh, I, never, I, never, <laughs> I never did coke, it was 2CB for me. And when I was doing that, you know... You couldn't feel your legs after a certain amount of time, so like fuck am I Useless. gonna be doing? Useless. Yeah. <laughs> so like <laughs> So like, I don't know, but mm. I get like that when I've been drinking uh vodka. My legs get pushed. Mm. So I'll stand up to go to the I'll stand up to go to the to go for a push and just be like boom, fall over immediately. It's horrendous. So we see, so after he hands in the book, we then see what Eddie does with his newfound abilities. He learns piano. Can I also just say where he hid the drugs? It was smart as fuck. I've never, I wouldn't have thought of that. He puts it in like a wee mint box thing? No, no, no. I mean like when he, when they're in the oven, when he finds them. Oh yeah, that's smart as fuck, yeah. Yeah, because I Provided was, that you do not cook. 
Yeah, because I was trying to think, where would I put my drugs? And I get, where would you hide your stash of NZT? Yeah, and like to keep it legal. Where would you hide your stash of fictional drug in a total hypothetical situation? Where would you hide your cat? I mean, <laughs> I mean, fuck you. I mean, I just said I I kept my weed in fucking uh, DVD cases, but like, um, where would I if I had a massive stash of something? Yeah. Where would I hide it? Um, There was in in my old flat, left over from previous tenants. There mm-hmm. was a, a a golf club bag. I had a few golf clubs in there. I would probably yeah, hide yeah. it in there because none, yeah. none of us play golf. <laughs> uh, so you know, I or, would I would probably put mine in my toolbox. Uh, yeah, yeah. Specifically, the fucking the the Mjolnir one that I have. Mm. I'd put it in there. There's just there's something funny about drugs being in Mjolnir. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Makes or, me laugh. Or uh, <laughs> one of my other flatmates used to have a lot of uh, potted plants. I would uh, <laughs> probably hide it in there. <laughs> so you put a pot in a pot? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, behind the fridge. Yeah. I call this stuff Bill and Ben. Why? Take it and you'll find out. <laughs> mm. All right, it makes you into... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Or I'd put it behind the fridge. Uh yeah, behind the fridge is a good one. Mm. Anyway, uh, so you see him like, learning a bunch of shit with his newfound and, uh, powers, essentially. Uh, we see him learning piano, learning how to play poker and winning, Basically, he's as well a... as learning different languages. He, yeah. say, he even says, even half listening to any language, I could become fluent. Basically, he's doing Bill Murray and Groundhog Day in less time. Yeah, and of course, he's using, all, he's using everything that he has learned uh, to pump beautiful women. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, I mean, you would like yeah. let's let's be honest. Yeah, uh, this is the this is this whole like first half hour of the film. As I said, this is the power fantasy segment of the movie, mm-hmm. where it's like the drugs, like oh, happy happy fun times. Uh, he then says the only problem if I wasn't moving forward, I felt like I was going to explode. Oh yeah, they take him to like fucking Spain or wherever the fuck yeah, they so are. My, I had met some new friends that invited me to the beach. The beach. Wasn't far, wasn't nearby. He then cuts to having a plane. You know that where this was shot? Where was it? Mexico City. I mean, that is quite far away from New York. Yeah. But I don't think Mexico City is near the coast. No. <laughs> I could be wrong, I don't know. But it's where, it's where most... I don't... Again, I have no fucking clue. But yeah, that's where this was shot. Mexico Same City. That, right? Have you ever... Have you seen the uh, Nicolas Cage... Um, with the guy from The Mandalorian, what's his name? Pedro Pascal. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, and yes, I have seen it. Right, it's so, fucking glorious. Right, so I that's love that supposed movie. To be, that's supposed to be set in Spain. Do you really film that? Juarez. Croatia. Ah, damn it. Croatia. Would have been funny if it was Juarez. <laughs> the Balkans. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Filmed the Balkans for Spain. Apparently, Croatia's got some very nice coastlines. And some very comfy tax breaks. So... Mm. <laughs> that's why they filmed there mm. he says only problem if I wasn't moving forward I feel like I was going to explode he then dives off of a fucking cliff that is a thing though I this, by the way this shot was mm. done for real with a professional it? diver who dived 75 feet <laughs> to do this to his death <laughs> very fucking nearly <laughs> They could only afford one shot of this. 
because of how long it took him to come back up to the surface. Just to let you know, Cliff Diver, if you die during this, we will be using the footage. Yes. <laughs> we will cut out your death. We'll cut out the bit where your where your, your slowly bloating body rises to the top. Like, fucking... Have you ever seen that video that used to be on gore sites quite a lot? Where Probably it was, not. Uh, it was a Cliff Diver who uh, missed the water. And, oh uh, god, yeah, his no, actual, his actual actual remember face that. split. And you, ah. see him, and you see him in the hospital and they're like holding his face together. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fucked. Um, Why did you remind me of that, you bastard, you? Because I got reminded of it when I was watching the movie and I wanted you to feel my pain. Fuck you. Anyway, um, no, nah, but that's the thing. Like, it was like, if I wasn't moving forward, I felt like I was going to explode. That was the thing. Um, uh, I, I left uh, a friend's flat um, after doing some shite because uh, I just didn't want to sit still and she was going to bed. So I was like, I, just, I, I had the option to stay there. Uh huh. But I was like, oh fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk home because you know I need to move. But that's the so, thing you you, you you do sit there and you're like, I need to move. It's uh, it's uh. Okay, so from yeah. what we've seen in the film so far, this pill this pill makes you hyper intelligent, mm-hmm. reckless, mm-hmm. and a fucking sociopath. Yes. So of course he enters the stock trade. Uh, Eddie... <laughs> he becomes Patrick Bateman. Uh. Uh, Eddie borrows $100,000 from a Russian loan shark who threatens to kill him if he doesn't pay back this the money. He doesn't just threaten to kill him. He threatens to fillet him and suffocate him with his own flesh. Yeah, this this Russian gangster looks like your sort of dollar store version of Jason Statham. And yep. uh, I can say that because this guy isn't even Russian. No, he's, he's fucking... Uh, he's Canadian, is he not? No, he's no, Welsh. He's, no, he's Welsh, sorry. He's Welsh, Welsh yeah. <laughs> sorry, I tell a lie. Uh, the, actor, the actor's name is Andrew Howard. He's been in a few things, mostly TV. Uh, the biggest role all that he has, at least the most well-known role, is indeed this one, in yeah. which he plays the loan shark, who is credited as uh, Gennady, or Gennady. I'm not sure how to oh. pronounce that. We just call him the shark or the loan shark for the majority of this movie. But, yeah... He then becomes a day trader, mentioning that he has has been upping his dose for over a week, stating it seemed to cut my learning curve. (laughs) Later on, he's at dinner with with Lindy, which of course leads to them getting back together. He's speaking, what is it, French or Italian to some waiter? Italian to the waiter. I should know that, it's my people. (laughs) Yeah. So we then get them a quick montage of them being together and all that kind of shit. They're going fucking... Fa- yeah, going back and forth from his place to hers. Uh, Eddie then suspects that he's being followed. Uh, he stays up at night looking out the window but staggers on his way back to the bed. When he looks up, he's in the hallway with Lindy standing in the doorway asking if he's alright. <gasps> but on time skips, like, uh, I haven't experienced one of those. It was... Uh... New Year's Day, literally New Year's Day. It Go just, on. you know, the bells had gone. Right, six in the morning. I go home. Right, I'm sitting in my living room. I'm looking up at the ceiling, just kind of lying there because I'm fucked. Right, <laughs> uh-huh. and I swear to Christ, I just blinked. Right, yes. And it was about six o'clock in the morning when I got home. I just blinked, and I looked down at my phone at the clock. It's now twelve noon, and I'm just sitting there like, wait a minute, <laughs> what just happened? But you know, I'm assuming you slept. I don't know how I was fucked. <laughs> That's why. So uh, we, we cut to the next day, and Eddie has been invited to have a meal with Carl Van Loon, this very mm. big, famous, uh, quote-unquote, finance guy, who is played by none other than 
Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. Can I just the say man, Robert the De Niro? Myth, the legend. Robert De Niro in this movie, right? Yes. Bradley Cooper's a good actor. Oh, yeah. He, he's good in this movie. Robert De Niro was only in this movie for, I would say, about 10 minutes. Possibly even less than that. Yeah. And in those 10 minutes or less, he fucking elevates this movie. He steals the show, yes. Uh, fun fact with regard, I mean, this is kind of known to anyone who knows uh, Bradley Cooper knows anything about this, but Bradley Cooper is a graduate of the university in which Inside the Actor Studio was filmed from back in the day. And there is footage of him attending the Inside the Actor Studio interview with Robert De Niro in mm. which he asks him a direct question with regards to acting. Mm. And it's just a really nice full circle moment where you see this guy, and you can very you can very clearly see it in film, even though there are obviously in character this reverence that uh, Bradley very clearly has for De Niro as an actor shines through every single scene. Like you can tell when he's like when ever the two of them are in shot and Robert's just doing his thing. Yeah. Like fair play to. Bradley Cooper, he stays in character for the most part, but there's a few moments where you can see him just staring at him like, holy oh, fuck. Oh, like, just, <laughs> like, oh. like, just taking that in. And honestly, I'd be the fucking same, man. Like, see if I was acting with, like, like, just, to, like, if I was doing, like, a comedy show alongside, like, some fucking, like, Rick Mail or something like that, right? Obviously, mm. that's not going to fucking happen anymore. But, uh... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Years I, ago, mate. Yeah. Uh, but, uh... No, I, no, I get, I get the, the guys from, um... Bottom mixed up, so I had to think of which one that was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if I was like with Rick Mail or even Aid Edmondson as well, hell, if I was doing a scene across from, from them, like I would likely be in the exact same way, just fucking staring and being like, holy fuck, this guy's good. Like you can see that that's very clearly what he's thinking in a lot of these scenes. Mm, mm. And it's once you notice it, you can't fucking stop noticing it, man. It's great. <laughs> Did you a couple of things about this uh, uh, this uh, meeting that they're having, right? Yes, yes. Go on. I don't know. Oh no, sorry. No, no, no I'm mixing up the two meetings. But okay, so this I'll, is the first I'll, of this is the first of many meetings right, that yes, they have. But do you uh, rec- Did you recognize uh, the assistant? Yeah. Do you know who that is? No idea, but I know I know him. So his name is Robert John Burke. He played RoboCop in RoboCop Three. Fucking knew it. And he's no, also I didn't know a, it. what the fuck. He's also in a ton of Law and Order as well. He's that's a, probably where I'm known he from. He's the. Um, I've not seen RoboCop Three. He's the. Uh, wait, is RoboCop? Wait, what one's the drug one? Is that two or three? That's two. Okay, I've seen two. Yeah, yeah. Peter Weller didn't come back for RoboCop Three because he was. <laughs> I mean, he says it was because of the scheduling conflicts. I think it was because RoboCop Three was shit. All right. But okay. uh, at the same time, he was filming a Naked Lunch. Oh, okay. So they got this Robert John Burke guy. But yeah, he's in Law and Order SVU a lot. He's, uh, he's the internal affairs guy. Yeah, um, that's where I know him from. Yeah. yeah. So Eddie walks Van Loon through his formula. Uh, Loon's assistant claims that Eddie has delusions of grandeur, to which Eddie replies with a, I'll admit, a pretty fucking killer line. Uh, I don't have delusions of grandeur. I have the actual recipe for grandeur. Mm. Now, in context of the movie, that's a great line. Mm-hmm. See if somebody actually said that to you, you'd fucking get them sectioned. Yeah, like, uh, like <laughs> that's that the definition of delusions of fucking grandeur. Yeah, like De Niro's assistant guy, he 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 goes through a couple of times like I've had enough of this fucking prick, right? But, yeah. uh, but you're sitting there and like fair play to him. Uh, but yeah, and in the movie he's made out he's made out just to be a bit of an asshole. But like you're sitting there and you're like, no, nah, he's got a point. Yeah, he has, he's, he's got a very fucking good point. This he's guy's like, unqualified. He's just uh, he's, yeah. he's just some random guy. He's, just, he's like, just some random cunt that came off of the street and is just like, hey, right, see everything that you've been doing for the past twenty years. Shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
fucking horrendous. Yeah. Hey, Gordon Ramsay's the fucking stock market. Mm. <laughs> just kitchen night walks in, just being like, shite, 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 shite. You're a worse cunt. Get out. You're all right. You come with me, and I'm going to turn your. I'm going to take everything that you're doing, and I'm going to make it cost forty million dollars more. He told me to put stocks in Segway. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> and it paid out. <laughs> I thought he was insane, but then that Paul Blart movie came out. <laughs> he told and me everyone to, was buying them. He told me to put all my stocks in UFC and WWE. <sighs> what the fuck? Well, if they had done that, they would have made a shit ton of money, you know. Fucking too right. Uh, well, the, the, the obvious merged. joke. He told me. The obvious joke. He told me to put my stock in GameStop. Mm, there's a movie about that now. <laughs> there is, yes, it's coming out uh, it's quite out. soon. Oh, did it just come out? Yeah, nice. Money. I need to go see it. It looks good. The uh, Paul Dano's in it. Oh, he's always good. Yeah, he's always a good time. Fucking loved him as the Riddler. So anyway, we then cut to Eddie and Van Loon in the back of a car. Carl hands Eddie a binder and asks him to consider the companies within. Eddie has a look through and very quickly deduces is that Carl is planning a merger with his biggest rival in the energy business. He also claims that the deal won't go through. Mm. This piques Carl's interest and he sets a meeting for the following day. This is Eddie's big shot. This is his moment. If this was a musical, this is where we'd get the big I want song, you know? Jesus. So fuck you, musicals are great. Yeah. <laughs> They're not for me. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> my theatre kid is showing. So Eddie decides to take a walk to digest all the information he just received. Not unlike uh, a certain Jacob Russo who decided to take a walk <laughs> and ended up in rather dire straits. Uh, Eddie has a, suffers a time skip during this time. He then wonders what, who the fuck had I managed to get 20 blocks away. He walks another 10 blocks before another time skip hits, leaving him stranded and up way uptown mm. in New York uh, we're treated to that to that same camera zoom effect from earlier on in the film only this time it's a little bit more sinister there's a little bit more of the film grain kind of beginning to creep into it giving it this disorientating feel what bar but, is this? yeah yep. when the shit ends we see Ed Eddie and in this, sorry, sorry. we get the zoom effect in which the camera almost feels like, even though it's not, the camera feels like it's static and the world is just fucking coming at us mm. when I was watching this. Originally, I thought that's how this effect was done until I actually went into the Blu-ray and like, looked at the fucking behind the scenes and stuff. But anyway, when this shot ends, we see Eddie in a subway station about to get in a fight. Was this before or after This the is hotel? before the bar. The hotel. And before the hotel. Is it? Okay. This whole sequence ends at the hotel. Hmm. He then says, I don't know how to fight, or do I? Yeah, apparently he knows how to fight from watching Bruce Lee movies. Not just Bruce Lee Enter movies. The this, is a com- this is a common... Uh, even, the se- even the Limitless series takes the piss out of this. I will defend this scene, however, as Bruce Lee movies are not the only example we're given. Yeah, yeah there is some like instructional There are various different there. self-defense instructional videos. Yeah. As well as some shot is interspersed with young with shots of like a young Eddie Mora but this is another example of what Bruce I mean Lee. by when I say this is like uh, Redditor trash as well oh yeah this is another I fucking love it that's not me that's fantasy. not me taking the piss out of this movie I, I like this movie but like there's a yeah. subreddit there's a subreddit called fight porn right yes, it's like yes. Just videos of people fighting and yeah I always have these people in the comments being like oh why did you do this I would have ducked down this way and then fucking did that it's like oh, yeah. would you fuck you wouldn't know what to do <laughs> but um 
So yeah, we then get a fight scene with numerous cuts to segments of self-defense instructional videos, boxing matches, and more Bruce Lee movies. Uh, Eddie wins the fight quite, quite decisively. Mm-hmm. Uh, something interesting to note is that despite the fact that Eddie remains on the drug, and so the saturated colours do remain throughout the majority of this fight, yeah. elements of how pre-drug Eddie scenes were shot are used here to show his deterioration. Like mentioned earlier, the film grain begins to come back, shots become slightly less stable, we still maintain that sort of pulled back below the eye level kind of camera placement, but the camera is now handheld, so it's a little bit more shaky, the grain's in there, all leading up to the fight scene, which, being set in a subway station, is pretty much bereft of colour, mm-hmm. with the exception of these flashback scenes, which are all, again, that classic kind of almost have a kind of brown, almost sepia tone kind of hue to them. It looked like the it looked like the subway station from uh, Daredevil when he knocks the guy onto the, the fucking... Uh, yeah, yeah. The movie Daredevil, not the TV show, but it, yeah. Aye. Uh, we then cut to a bar, Eddie having no fucking clue what bar he's in or how he got there. Cut again to some kind of fancy art show place and Eddie yucking it up with a bunch of other rich bastards. We then cut to Eddie being led into an apartment by an unknown blonde woman. Wasn't there wasn't there a, a bit of him fucking some girl in the toilets as well? I'm not sure. I may have looked away at that point. Because I, I, remember, that I happened. remember looking at that and thinking, like, that sounds like fun, but it really isn't. <laughs> but uh, I know somebody... <laughs> I know, no, I know somebody that used to brag that they, uh, that they met a girl in the cat house and fucked her in the catty toilets. And I'm looking at them and I'm like... That's not a that's, brag. That's not a brag. That's ratty as fuck. Hey, that's not a brag. That's ratty as shit. The cat is disgusted. <laughs> so, well, we see that he is once again being followed by the same creepy guy that he saw before the time skip. This sort of older gentleman in this kind of brown tan coat. That, that shot was actually quite fucking sinister. I remember looking oh, at Oh, yeah. It's I incredibly... He <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, I was looking at that. I was like, whoa... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it's implied that Eddie has sex with the blonde and woman through as they start making out and all that before the camera cuts away. And then we get another series of quick cuts before another zooming shot. The sequence mm-hmm. ends with Eddie standing on top of a bridge. Not sure which one. There's a fuck ton of bridges in New I'm York. I'm fairly certain. I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain it's the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay, we'll say the Brooklyn Bridge, and if we're wrong, no, we weren't. Uh, with no memory of the last 18 hours. He walks back to his apartment with a limp and crashes the fuck out. I like the fact that he's walking with a limp here as it shows that like kind of the drug has also not only dulled his not only yeah. like enhanced his uh his cognitive ability but it's allowed him to kind of dull his sense of pain as well. Yeah, or at the very least maybe the drink has as well and he's not realized mm-hmm. how fucked up the fight actually got him. Yeah, it's a thing it's uh, Oh no, it's a known effect, yeah. yeah. I've, I've bouncers up. bouncers across the world will tell you like the worst person to throw out as somebody that's been on the Charlie, mm, as well as them. drinking, because they feel fuck all. Mm. I don't know uh, if this came into play with this movie, but uh, Bradley Cooper used to be a fucking uh, coke fiend as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like he uh, he was queen by the time this movie came out. But like you know, apparently he, he's told stories before about once upon a time when uh, he was. Uh, I don't know if it was coke. Some it sketchy was, shit. I don't know if it was coke or if it was just alcoholism. But yeah, he's told stories about this. So I'm like sitting there and watching it. And I'm like, I mean, one usually goes like the accompanies the other. It's very rare that yeah. Like if you are someone with an addictive personality, it's very rare that you're only really going to be addicted to one specific thing. There's going to be multiple sources. Yeah. Uh, of addiction. And I was and I was especially watch- when it comes to substances. Yeah, and I was watching this and I was like, I wonder if he <laughs> was thinking about all that shit when he was doing this. Probably, probably was. Probably. But, you know. Yeah. 
So he tries to make a start on the proposal that Van Loon asked him to put together. He reaches for his NZT but thinks twice about taking it after last night's events. However, without his magic pills, the he gets nowhere. The numbers became hieroglyphics. They were hieroglyphs. He calls Kevin, who is his friend at the financial, at the sort of stock marketplace, who introduced him to Van Loon in the first place to try and get out of the meeting. He's unsuccessful and has to go to a meeting with Carl Van Loon without the aid of NZT. This is the meeting I was talking about. Does this is? Did you think that this bar was the same hotel bar at the end? Of uh, oh, was it at the end? Do you remember an American Psycho when he goes to kill when he wants to kill Lewis in the toilet? I will say I have not seen American Psycho in a long, long time. So uh, you're you're, okay. you're you're kind of clutching at straws if All you're right. asking well, me to remember this, shit for that this, movie. This whole place kind of reminded me of that specific bar. I don't know if it was shot in the same place or whatever, but I don't know. It, it could like, be. It, could it looked be. like it. So the meeting itself is, of course, a disaster. Uh, Eddie is feeling the effects of withdrawal as Carl's voice fades away and he sees a report on the TV. The same young blonde woman he was with during his blackout has been found murdered mm. and has been identified as Maria and the second name escapes me. I haven't written it, written it down. Yeah, something not uh, English, I don't know. But you know. Hold on a second, I've got it written down somewhere. Fuck it, I'll... I've got it written down later on my notes. I'll come back to it when I find and it. Robert De Niro's character, Van... What's his name, Van Loon? Carl Van Loon, yes. Yeah, Van Loon's looking at him and he's like, you're not one of those people, are you? Those we ADHD people? <laughs> he doesn't say that. I know, I know. He but says, you're sweet. not one of those guys, are you, Eddie? We lose you if there's a screen in the room. One of those ADHDs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is a potential reading for this movie. That, NZ, that effectively NZT is just an enhanced version of fucking ADHD medication. Yeah, he's just on a shit ton of, uh, what's it called? Um, Adderall. Yeah. Yeah. That's one version of it. Mm-hmm. Adderall, of course, also being referred to as Baby Coke. Xanax. Yeah, that shit. <laughs> anyway. Baby Coke. Moving on. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, I'm just that's picturing, like, those little tiny cans of Coke that you get for mixers. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Baby Coke. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Carl snaps Eddie out of it, stating that these are tectonic plates that are shifting under us. Uh, Eddie excuses himself from the meeting, goes outside, and immediately vomits in the sidewalk. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, this <laughs> shot is very cool, because the camera like, follows him around, and it ends up staying upside down as he's vomiting. Yeah. So it looks like he's puking up into the sky. It's <laughs> fucking weird. I don't know why it's shot like that. I suppose it's like, I don't know, his world's turned see, on its head or something. I don't I, fucking know. But I know he's cool. going to throw up everywhere, but see if I'm going to throw up somewhere and I'm in a fancy place like that, I at least go around the corner. I don't throw up on the... He didn't have time, dude. You saw how instant that was, man. I know, I know. But, you know. That was just like, like, as soon as he was clear of the building, he was like, it's coming. Like, that's it. <laughs> So he walks back to his flat just in time to hear Melissa on the answering machine asking him if Vern gave him anything and warning him that that stuff is dangerous. He picks up the phone and frantically asks Melissa if they can meet saying he needs to know what she was talking about. He then works his way through Vern's client list, phoning everyone he can get, phoning everyone he can while he sits outside in a park bench. Mm -hmm. The first person he phones doesn't pick up. The second person turns out is in hospital and the third is dead yeah we then get some narration of all the people I called three were dead and the rest were sick he calls one final number and the man on the bench behind him answers his phone it's the same man in the tan brown jacket that has been following him throughout the majority of this movie 
and I fucking love this shot. It is so yeah. fucking good, and it is done incredibly well. Uh, like the way that it just slowly pans like you hear the phone ringing first and the camera just slowly pans to the left and you see the cunt and it's oh it's so good so Eddie starts running and the older man gives chase Eddie leads him directly through the main road causing a massive traffic collision mm-hmm. by running through the main street which he then uses to lose his tail he makes his way to the cafe where him and Melissa and Melissa yeah, he jumps in the back of a cab and he's just like drive <laughs> Go, go, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that actually ever happens. Oh, all the time. It's gonna suck though. If you, all the time. You jump in the taxi. You're like drive. And like, I, I can't. There's like. Yeah. They take. <laughs> they, there's a. There's cars everywhere. Uh, I can't remember the name of the film, but uh, it stars that Dakota Johnson. Uh, and where they kind of take the piss of the out of the, like the rom com movie. Anyway, she gets in the taxi. She's like, where are you going? She says, home. And the guy turns around and just goes. Where the fuck? I don't know you, woman. <laughs> Where the fuck do you mean by that? I can't remember the name of the film, but it's fucking glorious. Uh, anyway, Eddie makes his way back to the apartment and is confronted by the loan shark from earlier. Uh, apparently, they were supposed to meet. He assaults Eddie, who drops a small baggie containing a single pill of NCT. The shark picks it up, reasoning that it must be something good, and what is gobs this? it. What is this? Aspirin. <laughs> uh, you're full of shit, Eddie. <laughs> Throwings him. He swallows the pill, cut to the bank. Eddie withdraws the amount of money that he owes and then gives it to the shark who is now feeling the full effects of the pill. <laughs> He's still trying to He asks who it is and Eddie says, it's just vitamins and aspirin, my guy. And he just t- this is where we get that line, just, you're full of shit, Eddie. <laughs> he just walks away, looking at the sky. <laughs> he does that whole, whoa, it made you flinch thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. On their way back to the office while on the phone to Eddie, no, sorry, hold on, this is later. Eddie then makes his way to Lindy's office and immediately collapses. He is forced to tell her everything about NZT and asks her to retrieve his stash. That's hilarious to me. He's, like, dying right there and he has to explain everything. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I, I can't imagine what he sounded like in that scene where it's just like, so there's this pill, right, basically, where you're, you're actually my, my ex-brother-in-law from my previous marriage sold me it, right? And Wait, can you just slow down a bit, go back? No, I'm dying! <laughs> Shut the fuck up and listen. I'm dying over here. <laughs> I can't rewind this shit, all right? My head's killing me. I'm, di- I'm dying. <laughs> Starts coughing blood and shit. Just like... Can you go back just a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> mm. So, he then, so Lindy then says, okay, give me the key to your apartment. He says, it's not in my apartment. I moved it. She went, okay, where did you move it? And he just looks at her and she goes, Oh, for fuck's sake. Cut to Lindy going into her apartment yeah, and retrieving the pills inside of like this mad conch shell. Yeah, like, that's a really shit place to hide your drugs. What if, what if she's one of these people that just moves all their shit constantly? What if she does the Marie Kondo shit and just launches the shit? Out, just launches the fucking thing out of her house? What if she gets like really... What if she just decides to smoke a bit and is like, I want to hear the sea. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that personal experience. God fucking damn it. We're learning a lot about you in this episode. I've told you all before. I used to... <laughs> <laughs> used to be a degenerate. I used to be a degenerate. But like saying you're a, ge- a degenerate has a slightly different effect from actually telling the stories from your days of being a fucking degenerate. Oh, this movie... If we ever do Fear and Loathing, we'll get a whole Oh, that's going to be fucking great. So, <laughs> on her way back to the office, while on the phone to Eddie, Lindy realises that she's being followed. She runs away... Who, 
from who we as the audience recognise to be the same guy that was following Eddie throughout the course of the movie. <laughs> He's just going to open up the cab door. Yeah. Mm. So their chase leads them into a Central Park where Lindy tells two guys that she's being chased. They I to confront her chaser. I thought that this was going to turn out to be that those two were also working for that guy. It was just the way it was shot. It, it did kind of look like it was going to be that way, but instead what happens is the two confront the chaser only to get fucking stabbed by the guy. Well, one of them gets stabbed. The no, one they sh- both get I know, stabbed. I know, I know. One of them gets stabbed. The other one gets shanked. Oh, yeah, not true. Yeah, like multiple <laughs> fucking stabs. Yeah. yeah. True. So Lindy runs again and eventually hides in amongst some rocks. Apparently she's still on the line with uh, Bradley Cooper for this whole thing. Yes, yeah. Eddie <laughs> tells her over the phone that she has to take one of the pills if she wants to escape. Uh, Lindy is hesitant at first saying, he's got a knife, how the fuck can I think my way out of a knife? Which, I mean, fair play. <laughs> like, that's... You took, you that look, would be my line of thought. You look the knife dead in the eyes and you say... You're just like your father. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't cut... He couldn't cut shit. <laughs> Yeah, father, he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. Oh, oh fuck off. <laughs> he couldn't cut the cheese. He cut the cheese too often, that's why she left. Uh, he couldn't even cut died coke. Of fucking he, couldn't even, he couldn't even cut coke with baby laxatives. Fuck your father. No, don't fuck your father. I did, and look what happened to me. I had you. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how you defeat a knife. You psychologically scar. You just you just turn into an angry New York mum and berate the fucker. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Fucking hell. So she's hesitant at first, but eventually takes the pill before she is discovered. They're all just straight up just swallowing these pills dry. That's gonna suck. Yeah, that must. Yeah. (laughs) I could never do that. That's shite. Yeah. I could never do that. The pill kicks in and Lindy begins her escape. She becomes fucking Spider-Girl. She runs across the ice rink in the middle of the park. She picks up a kid, swings her at a pursuer, cutting his face open with the child's skates. Now, how fucking hilarious this is this shot, I know for a fact this is not supposed to be funny. I had to pause the movie. I was laughing so fucking hard. Know, she was... just fucking swings the kid. She, she used <laughs> a child as a weapon. <laughs> she used a child. It's just, it's just wee lassie. It's this cute wee lassie in like a pink puffy coat and she's like just having a, a good day. <laughs> having like a good day out with like a big brother or a dad or something. Like right? <laughs> yeah, like, and like, I like to imagine for, my, for some reason, this is probably just because I'm sick in the head, right? But for some reason it's way funny if that's a Make-A-Wish kid. And <laughs> My wish was secretly to kill. Yeah. <laughs> I've always want I've always wanted to feel the life slip from somebody's eyes as I grab them. Just not from my life, you know. Yeah. You know. But no, but no, I, I thought it would be hilarious. If I'm going out, I'm taking all you motherfuckers with me. I would have thought it'd be hilarious. She just she just grabs this child, swings it, and just cuts the guy's neck. That would be hilarious. And, you know, oh yeah like slits his throat and then the kid's fucking traumatised because she's kid, killed a no, guy no that kid's going to be traumatised anyway she used the she used her as a she fucking weapon to slice weapon. the guy's face open yeah. oh my god it's so fucked up do you want to go ice skating it's so funny like, the year, like, so fun. in the next, do you want to go ice skating no no yeah, yeah, like the yeah, like the next year, you know, Central Park would do the ice skating. That poor wee lassie's gonna have PTSD anytime she sees a cunt in the fucking park. Like, <laughs> do you want to go ice skating again? No, <laughs> never again. 
I can mm. still hear the tearing flesh. Also, nobody thought it was odd. That and here's this... the thing, right? See actual ice skates, right? Mm-hmm. They're no like as sharp as cunts make them out to be. I don't know. There's been a couple of like throat slices in the NHL. That's different because that's like speed skating, so they're mm. proper thing. Say like on your average like fucking like lake or like public place like that, right? Mm. They're deliberately kind of slightly duller so that you can't go like fucking hundred mile an hour down the ice and then you know decapitate a cunt, right? Mm, I swear to God, those Magnum ice skates were fucking. No, they were lethal, man. That was a different <laughs> fucking breed, man. But uh, <laughs> most of them have like a flat bottom, right? Yeah. But these, this very clearly like opens like a razor. These ones are clearly like razor sharp because the cut's clean as fuck. <laughs> It's like a fucking scalpel pulled mm. across his face. Mm. I don't know. It's <laughs> fucked up, man. But also, yeah, I, I just couldn't stop laughing. It's the way the kid just fucking deadweights as well. Like, it's just like planks. Like, the kid is, the kid doesn't, like, move at all mm-hmm. when she picks it up. It, she, like, the kid just stays completely, like, fucking rigid. Basically, turns a, into a fucking two by four. Yeah, it was a, it was <laughs> a fucking, it was a fucking Yakuza move, you know? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Just picks it, hits a motherfucker with another motherfucker. <laughs> she's either Yakuza or fucking Baldur's Gate 3. She turned into Kiryu for a second. Oh, fuck that, yeah. <laughs> fucking love those games, by the way. Oh. They're so good. Anyway. So, <laughs> he falls to the ground and she uses this to get away. Uh, Eddie and Lindy check into a hotel for the night and when they wake up the next morning, Lindy is shocked at what she done while on NZT. It wasn't me, that was Reasoning you, that she was not the same person on the drug as she was off it, and therefore, surely Eddie is not the same person as he was this tells me prior that, as well. This tells me that she's the sort of person that will shout racist abuse when she's drunk and go, that wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I don't know, I can But see it's it. pretty fucking close, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> that wasn't the real me. <laughs> Ah, it was yes, drunk the, me. Ah, yes, the Mel Gibson defence. Yes, that was... <laughs> that wasn't me, I was drunk. Then he starts getting money from the right wingers. Okay, it was me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoyed it, I'll do it again. <laughs> and I'll do it again. For a modest fee. And <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm heading over to the China Palace right now. <laughs> and I will do it again. <laughs> oh, God, no. They just see him coming like a fucking horseman of the apocalypse over the horizon. Oh my god, it's Mel Gibson. You just hear that fucking music from the omen as he comes. <laughs> I mean, he's a prick. He's a prick, but I quite like Mel Gibson. Oh no, he's a. I fucking hate him. I like his movies. Nah, I, I can't fucking Mad stand Max. him, man. I'm not. I don't really like Mad Max. I'll be honest with you. Lethal Weapon. Fury Road was. Oh, Lethal Weapon's good. I'll give mm-hmm. you that. Mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon's fucking class. Yeah. Patriot is pretty good as well, actually. I don't know. I mean, if you can get past all the historical inaccuracies, it was pretty yeah, it fun. Kinda, it kind of pisses me off. Like, it, I view it in the same level as Braveheart. Like, yeah, as a film. Braveheart as well, like, actually. I quite like, quite like Braveheart. As, like, objectively, as a film, yeah, sure, it's good. But, like, it fucks up so much mm, <laughs> that like, it just pisses off my inner nerd. Yeah, I like Braveheart as well. It's fun. Not that it's, it's not fun. Yeah, it's not as historically accurate. How in the any fuck way. is Braveheart fun? I don't know. That film was a fucking tragedy. Yeah, it's a good movie though. I just find it funny. Uh, no. <laughs> what scene specifically in Braveheart do you find funny? <laughs> <laughs> 
For our listeners, <laughs> Jacob has just mimed lifting up a kilt. Yeah, I'm sure you're cocking balls. Well, to be fair, there is the there is also the Irish guy. The the Lord tells me I'll get through this, but he also tells me you're, you're fucked. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the when the when the Irish and the other Irish run at each other on the battlefield, and, and then they just shake each other's hands. How's your mother? <laughs> Would not happen today. Uh, they would just keep fucking fighting. Well, it depends. Yeah, yeah. depends. On- <laughs> Where are you from? What side of the road are you from? What school did you go to? That's that's the killer. Aye. <laughs> what team do you like? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Where'd you keep your toaster? Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I lied. That's the fucking killer. <laughs> That's the killer. Like, where'd you keep the toaster? That's the answer that will fucking get you shanked. Braveheart's Brave a fun movie. Oh, it's not. It's is. so fucking annoying. Yeah, it's complete. Like, it's it's horseshit. It's historically trash, but I just like watching it. It's funny to me. You know? <sighs> Do you remember we watched that at school once? And then, yeah, like, in history class. Yeah, this this girl had to leave during the the fucking. Um, when William Wallace is getting executed, you don't see anything. Yeah, but it is quite gory. Like it's a lot of implied gore. Like it's like, and you see implied his, like, gore. Uh, yeah, but implied gore isn't gore. It's only gore yeah, it's if still, there's gore. Yeah, if you're an imaginative kid, mm. you know. Which, to be fair, most of us were <laughs> overly so. Uh, <laughs> that shit was. I don't know. I thought that movie was quite fun. Uh. Fuck that movie. <laughs> so anyway, Eddie defends the pill claiming that he'll get off it once he's taken care of things, sounding more and more like your classic addict mm. with each each uh, attempt to defend himself. He's like, oh, I'm only taking it until, to do this. Once I've got it, I'll secure the life and then I'll get off it. I swear I'll be better as soon as this thing has happened. It's the same rhetoric that uh, anyone who has any level of experience uh, of dealing with addiction will have heard time and time again and you'll hear in various different movies that deal with this exact same subject matter. Lindy leaves saying she hopes that he'll get off it someday. It's now that Eddie notices the loan shark staring up in the hotel. He walks out the back way and surprises the loan shark saying, hey, what are you doing here? The shark replies that he wants more NZT. Eddie relents, giving him a few pills to buy some time to think up a more lasting solution to his problem. Cut to Eddie hiring two bodyguards and giving them very specific instructions as to how they should follow him. Don't wear the same colour suit. Just, yeah, don't wear the same colour suit. This is wearing the Matrix. different ties. He says, no. yeah, and then next seat they're wearing the same suits but just with two different coloured ties. I did think that was funny. Mm-hmm. Eddie meets with Carl Van Loon again, telling him that the reason the previous meeting went so poorly is because he was sick. You get hit by a fucking car, you don't die. Yeah. <laughs> again, this scene... Uh, this is what kind of, like, so this when I this is what like kind of sold me on because for the majority of this film, don't get me wrong, Bradley Cooper's been good. He's been very charismatic, but he hasn't had a lot of scenes where he's really up against Robert De Niro yet, mm. and really like can and you can always tell because we see the same thing in the likes of uh, in the likes of Motel Hell, for instance. Uh, we have the phenomenal performance uh, of the guy playing uh, Vincent Rory mm. Calhoun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because his performance is so good, when characters that aren't as good are acting across from him, they seem even worse because of that. Whereas if you were to put them in, an, in a scene with an actor of their own calibre, it would be fine. It would be fairly passable. So this is the scene where 
Yeah, in my mind, this is what the one that Bradley Cooper has to fucking nail because he's up against a titan. Yeah, yeah. And this bit, and you know what? One of the greatest actors of uh, of our times. You ask him, he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> bit of Don Rickles. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to be fair, he's right. Uh, he will tell you. And uh, fucking and fair play to Bradley. He fucking holds his own. He is charismatic as fuck. He does not waver, and he delivers a phenomenal scene between the two. Uh, they have a great back and forth. Uh, Carl says, I don't even know who I was talking to there. To which Eddie quickly replies, uh, del- to, uh, 102. He's got a delirium. That's who you were talking to with this like fucking shit-eating smirk on his face. Mm. Like, he really sells the, the Wall Street wanker. Uh, <laughs> as I call them. Not the homeless man walking down Wall Street having a wank. but the, No, know. no. The, the, the <laughs> 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 Fuck you, you knew what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> but that joke is way better than what I had in mind, so I'm keeping it. <laughs> Give me all your money. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to mime it, my guy. <laughs> I know what a, I know what a wandering wanker looks like. Okay. <laughs> anyway, is it, is, it, is it the is it the twenty twelve guy? Yeah? yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Carl states that he looked over the projections Eddie sent him and even fired people because of them. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Next time we see Eddie, he's leading the charge on the big merger between Van Loon and who we learn is like Atwood and Associates or whatever the fuck their company is actually called. We get a bit of narration here. I found that if I maintained an even dose, remember to eat, drank no alcohol, the blackouts didn't recur. Drugs. I then have exactly written here. So NZT is just ADHD medication. Drugs. It is just medication because I swear to fuck, this exact same shit happened to me when I was in, on medication for depression. Drugs. If I drank, I was fucked. Mm. <laughs> if I didn't eat, I was fucked. If I didn't drink, I was fucked. If I drank too much, I was fucked. Oh, I mean, sertraline can do one anyway. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> Two CB, could you drink on that? You could. You could. You shouldn't, but you could. I did. (laughs) Let's move on. Uh, We then get another montage. We see Eddie at the tailors asking for a hidden compartment to be put in all his suit jackets so that he can make sure that his stash is always on his person. Mm. Seems like a good idea. If he gets pat down, he's fucked. Uh, Then we see him at a laboratory asking if a scientist can recreate the drug. The scientist says it'll take 12 to 18 months. Any quicker than that, you'll kill someone. Can you recreate this? I I'll give you two million dollars if you can do it in six. Someone needs to do that to folk that need to make Iron Brew. You know, the original recipe. They did. It's called the 1901. No, it's not version. the original recipe. It's just styled like it. It's not the original. It tastes the same as the original. Yeah, it doesn't have the same sort of... Uh, it's still got aspartame in it. And it's the original one. tastes the fucking same to me. Uh. Next, he's at a lunch meeting when he notices the detective who questioned him about Vern's death sitting at the bar. He excuses himself from the meeting and talks to him. The detective asks him for the whereabouts on the night that Maria Winberg was murdered. That's her fucking surname, Winberg. Next, we see, and this is the way that this guy is introduced, the most lethal lawyer in New York. And uh, do you know what his most famous Morris role? Brandt. Do you know what his most famous role is? Hit me. 
as a lawyer in Law and Order. <laughs> Typecast to fuck. He was, a, he, was in a ton of, he was in a ton of Law and Order episodes. Oh yeah, he was, yeah. Uh, he died last year, so... Uh, Rest uh, in peace. Uh, he, was, he was good. He was He's always like... good the, in this movie, too. He was always good in Law and Order. He's, he wasn't like the main lawyer. He was always like the... Uh, uh, lawyer the defense. For, yeah, he was always the defense lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I liked him. So, we then see Morris Brandt enter the police station and then walk out with Eddie in tow. Cut to a big meeting with Van Loon and Eddie talking to Hank Atwood. Eddie notices that Atwood looks frail as fuck, despite not even being anywhere near his 60s. We should also mention that uh, in a previous meeting with Van Loon, they say, what do you know about uh, Atwood? Where does he come from? And he's, he said something like... Oh, he says, where what? He says he doesn't know... Any- no, this isn't the meeting that goes wrong. Yeah, where does he previous come from? meeting. Yeah, previous, yeah, yeah, meeting. previous he says, meeting. Where where does he come from? He's like, oh, he came from. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Where said, was it two years ago? He was he he essentially nowhere. said nowhere. He sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah, he so had that, a meteoric rise to frame, which is our first hint. They're dropping hints, motherfuckers. They're dropping hints. <laughs> so Carl and Eddie discuss what will happen after the deal goes through. Carl is desperate for Eddie to continue working for him, going so far as to launch into a brilliantly delivered speech by De Niro about how Eddie has not earned his place at the table which ends with the quote that I was telling you about earlier you don't know how to assess the competition because you've never competed don't make me your competition he's kind of right no, yeah yeah he has mm. like again the film presents all of these people that like kind of have wee digs in it Eddie as like villains but the fact of the matter is they're 100% like fucking valid in their criticisms of Eddie because mm. they just like we said he just came out of nowhere and just went yeah Everything you're doing, shite. Everything I'm doing, golden. And offered no elaboration and then fucked off. <laughs> Just disappeared for like, disappeared for like a month, then came back and went, oh yeah, by the way, see that massive fucking like world changing merger you're working on? I'm the guy. Where the fuck were you for the past week? <laughs> uh, the flu. <laughs> Get fucked! Anyway. <laughs> He's like the human equivalent of new metal. Yeah, he just kind of fucking he comes out of he just, nowhere. He comes out of nowhere, says you're all shit, and then fucks off. <laughs> and people look back and I'm like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah. <laughs> at the time, everyone's every, at the time everyone's obsessed, but then we look back and go, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, shoot, one or two of them were pretty cool, but what the fuck was now, all that about? Now we've got younger bands trying to revive new metal. Fuck that. Code Orange went fucking new metal, and I hate every second of it. <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, Eddie walks into his hotel room to find it ransacked which leads him to buying himself a penthouse flat with top of the line security I'm talking like big fuck off deadbolts in the doors cameras on fucking cameras bulletproof glass you fucking name it yeah it's the uh, it's the the penthouse that you see at the very beginning of the movie yes it is Eddie is once again confronted by the loan shark who asks him for 20 pills to which Eddie replies how about you go fuck yourself the king of negotiation. The loan fuck shark me, then, how about you go fuck you? Yeah. <laughs> the loan shark then blackmails Eddie, threatening to tell Van Loon about what has been happening with the police in this whole murder investigation that he is now a part of. We then get some narration. Obviously this could not go on, but there's very little on earth that $40 million can't solve, and tomorrow at 9, Atwood would sign those papers. Cut to 11 o'clock the next morning, Atwood is nowhere to be seen. After a brief bit of back and forth, or with everyone wondering what's happening, a secretary walks into the room and informs him that Mrs. Atwood is in Carl's office. Carl and Eddie go into the office and are quickly informed by Mrs. Atwood that Mr. Atwood 
has been hospitalised. Yeah. I did think it was funny when, uh, you know, they're walking her out of the building and, uh, you know, he's he's being all nice. Like, I know this planetary doesn't mean much, but if there's anything, there's anything we, can, we can do. And then as soon as she's out of your shot, read that prick. It's just taking the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Carl that says that. Like, uh, Eddie says, like, if there's anything we can do to I know this is just an empty platitude, but if there's anything we can do to help, please let us know. We want to do everything in our power to make sure that uh, Mr. Atwood pulls through this. As soon as she's out of your shot, Carl just says, we need to get that prick to sign. <laughs> he just starts bad-mouthing them immediately. <laughs> so, as I said, the two walk to the car, but then Eddie recognises the driver as none other than the man who has been chasing him relentlessly since the beginning of the movie. No. This is when he realises that Atwood will not recover. It's Gladiator Man. Because Atwood has ran out of NZT. Mm. Next time we see Eddie, he's getting ready to be part of a line-up at the police station. Eddie's getting ready. Morris Brandt assures him that the rest of the lineup are as close to his clones as he could get. He then, and we see the lineup, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, like two of them are actually stunt doubles for probably. Uh, uh, essentially, for Bradley Cooper. He doesn't say this, but what he essentially says is, "Read some handsome white boys." And then, uh... yeah, he says there can't be any disparity in race, height, or age. <laughs> They're as close to your clones as they can get. They then leave the room and they. A lawyer saying, oh, this guy was fumbling. He has absolutely fucking no idea who you are. Oh, it was the third from the right. No, no, maybe it was the next one. He then hands Eddie his coat saying, it's a thing of beauty. Did you have that made? Eddie just says yes and fucks off. Mm. Shortly after learning that Atwood has slipped into a coma, Eddie realises that I his stash of NZT I did has disappeared this. from his jacket pocket. I did wonder this, right? Well, I mean, Go on. spoilers, oh, the NZT is gone, but... Uh, but like <laughs> that's not a spoiler it's literally know, the next scene I know scene. I know but it's like what were they going to do I mean he's lying in hospital in a coma where they just literally going to like fist a fucking pill down his throat be like Bleh. remember that bit that we see at the very end of the movie oh they could have done that yeah that yeah. so if they had figured that out you know based on the fact that he's been on it for two years so <laughs> he quickly deduces that someone at the police station took the stash he returns to uh, meet to the room in which he had been meeting with Carl Van Loon, who had told him about Atwood in the coma. He begins making his excuses to Carl, but before he can, he can he has handed a package. Could a guy in your employee not take a piss, Carl? <laughs> He's handed a package, which he opens up, and it contains two human hands. <laughs> While Carl's just berating him. Punishment for missing his meeting with the loan shark. Carl's just berating him, doesn't look down. <laughs> Eddie immediately leaves it. Leaves and goes to his new apartment in which he watches the news and he hears the doorbell ring. Checks the cameras, sees the loan shark outside he's, with a he's couple of the, He's watching the news, but what does he see on the news? He sees the lawyer guy. Yeah. So, you know, he's in there. And he sees news that Atwood is pretty, he's like going to pass away. And apparently someone yeah. leaked information on the merger as well. But that's where he figures out that the lawyer took his shit. Exactly, yeah. He checks his phone, no service. The goons begin and knocking on the door very politely with a battering ram. See, there's all these And boxes. we are back at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, there's all these boxes laid out of his apartment. Do you think he's trying to run away at this point or do you think he's... Uh, just... I think he's just moved in. Yeah, I was wondering Because like, based on the timeline of the movie, he's like bought this apartment maybe the day before. Mm. I was wondering that. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like... I so to me, he just moved in. The thing that sells that is the fact that a lot of his shit is still in bubble wrap. Uh, well, so he's still he's just moved in I mean I if he was trying to get away they could be in bubble wrap too but. yeah but I think he's literally just got there yeah 
So we are back at the beginning of the movie with Eddie standing on the ledge of his balcony while the gang try to break in. But he cannot bring himself to jump and instead desperately tries to remember where he might have left some NZT in his apartment. We get a bunch of flat we get a bunch of sort of flash frames of different locations where the NZT might be before eventually landing on that same little golden kind of like pillbox from mm-hmm. the beginning from the very beginning of the movie with one solitary pill inside it. He, he begins rummaging through the boxes to find something while the gang outside begin to cut the lock of his door out. <laughs> the following happens in rapid succession. He finds the pill. The gang busts through the door. He drops the pill. It rolls away and falls down a grate in the floor. Eddie is there and attempts to run and jump off the balcony once again, but he is caught by one of the gang and forced to sit down in a, a chair. And is then... And I don't think they even touch him. I think he's just fucked from NZT withdrawal at this point. Probably. The shark then begins to monologue quite happily to Eddie. No, he speaks English a bit better. <laughs> that is notable. He talks about how his uh, vocabulary has improved greatly since being on NZT. Mm. He tells Eddie that if you dissolve the pills in a solution and shoot it, the effects last far longer and kick in a lot quicker. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, does that mean you can probably turn that into a powder too? Just for quick, sharp effects? Possibly. Although he does say that swallowing it, um, it does kick in after 30 seconds, so yeah. would, would would there be really any point to snorting it? Probably not. More of an intense one? Mm. What would a more intense NZT be like? Would that just be like, you just do it and it's you like... You just get a tumour I can see everything! <laughs> And then a second later, you're just like, well, I'm thick as pig shit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you... I know everything. What the fuck is dirt? So, it's at this point that he, that, that the lone shark then immediately injects himself with NCT. Eddie then notices a kitchen knife in the box directly next to him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the shark's two goons leave to try and break into Eddie's safe. I will say at this point... Once they leave and the guy's, and the shark's back is turned, Eddie grabs a knife and hides it behind his back. I will say at this point, for whatever reason, my copy of this movie, when he starts speaking, I'm assuming it's Russian, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But when he's speaking Russian, it came up in Italian subtitles for me. So, uh... Okay, so he says, go... I know, I, I kind of just figured that, because he says, like, you know, he's, he says... But, like, he says, go look, yeah. I know, but I was watching it, I was like, I don't remember buying an Italian copy of this, but okay, sure. Must have been, yeah. <laughs> so, the shark then, and begins to go on his another monologue, this time talking about how much he has improved. He's going to be starting an import-export business. Hey, you're lucky I'm here. And by the way, I found this thing Google, right? Yeah, you found Google. Did you, and he says, did you know that the small and long intestines are about 20 feet long? I need to see this for myself. And then he gets up close to Eddie. And he's just about to drive the knife in. Then Eddie pulls the knife from him out behind his back, stabs the the shark, driving the knife up underneath his ribcage. Goes down surprisingly easily. I wouldn't say it's a surprise given where he was stabbed. I know, that but like, a lung. I know, but this is movie land, you know. You're, you're fuck movie land. He's <laughs> going to be fighting up against this tough as fuck, you know, Russian loan shark guy. You would expect like a little bit of a fist fight, you know, a little bit I of like a struggle. That, I like that that kind of expectation is subverted slightly, though, because he just like fucking don't a little bit of a struggle. But now it just, adds to the 
to me, it adds to the weight of the fight. Oh, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying, yeah. like, I was just surprised. Because it's in one of these types of movies that you would probably see, like, a... Well, you know, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So, Eddie then laments that he is about to die. That he is about to die. Saying, Didn't, only NZT would help me. And the last of it was in that thug's bloodstream. Did not see this coming when I put this movie on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Eddie goes full vampire and drinks the shark's blood in a desperate <laughs> attempt to get some NZT in his system. Yeah, I remember watching this just like I was uh, I was actually pouring myself... How fucked is this? I don't know, I, I was pouring myself a little, a little whiskey there. Fair enough. And, uh, a, little, a, little, a little bit of whiskey. Yeah, and I was, I was looking at the screen and I was sitting there and had to remind myself, I'm pouring this, but I was just distracted by what I saw because I was yeah, not yeah. expecting this. I ended up pouring myself like a quadruple or something. But uh, You still yeah. drank it though. Oh, yeah, I'm not putting it back in the glass. Fucking too right. And it was the so, good shit. Oh, was it the Pendering? Oh, yeah, I'm not, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, at the same time, the thugs open the safe to find that same set of hands that they had initially sent Eddie, lovingly giving them the middle finger. You know, yeah. When the fuck did Eddie plant those? I'm assuming just when he left the... Uh, did he just, did, like, as soon as he got in the house, did he plant them there? Probably. Because he didn't know the drone shark was coming for him. He was caught by surprise. And he was off NZT, so don't tell me that he was no, like, I oh do, my fuck. I do have a theory about that. Right, Go I know on. he was off NZT, but later on in the movie, he, he's talking about how... Do you remember when he's up with that scientist guy? I have a theory about that. He, you, know, you know how he's talking to that scientist yeah, yeah, guy? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then at the end when he's talking to Van Loon... He talks about how and tapered off. Uh, and like he's on a different kind of NCT now. Me? No, he, he says that he's not on it at all. Mm. He claims to be completely off it and that he retained that information. I'm thinking that maybe, you know, that has started. Where he's like, oh yeah, they're going to come for me. Maybe, yeah. So we then get back to Eddie as the NZT kicks in. He notices the head of the needle on the ground and then waits for one of, of the thugs who has who already has one eye that's like kind of all milky and clouded yeah, over. Yeah, one eye. Yeah. And just as that, he starts kind of whispering away so that the thug comes in to get close and then spits the needle in his fucking good eye. <laughs> Fuck me, this fight scene is brutal. So that wouldn't actually blind you, blind you, because... Uh, Depends on where it hits and what's in the needle. I don't think there's anything... Oh, uh, yeah, well... If there's any remains of a foreign substance in that needle... Maybe. And remember, it doesn't blind him. His eye isn't open at all. He keeps his eyes shut. Mm. Because there's something in his eye. So his yeah. instinct as a human being is going to be to keep his eyelids shut. Yeah. yeah. And if he pulls it out, he's going to do more damage, so which he doesn't say, do. My, my sister used to get, like, so, yeah. every month or so, she used to get injections in her eyeball. So, yeah. Yeah, but there's a difference between, like, a clean injection in a clinical environment and some cunt spitting a needle in your eye. Well, remember, the guy did say that everything was sterilised. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. he injected himself with it. He didn't <laughs> sterilise it again after the fucking fact. Well, I don't know. Maybe, I, I doubt the guy's got, like, some bloodborne illness. Well, maybe he does, I don't know. Yeah, give us a fuck. <laughs> Bradley, anyway. Bradley Cooper's got it now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> now so, Bradley this Cooper. begins a wonderfully tense fight scene, which, unfortunately, resulted in one of the stunt performers getting a concussion when Bradley Cooper hit him with a television. <laughs> this is why when it comes to stunts you use trained stunt performers or you practice the shit out of it before you fucking do it 
this is a pet hate of mine in films. I'd like to right? see I'm you on telling a, that to Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise who's rehearses his stunt on stuff religiously before he, he does it, and very rarely, whenever he's doing a fight scene with another act, actor, he ensures that, that that fight scene is scheduled for a long-ass fucking time. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan is a known asshole, so fuck that guy. Man. Like, Michelle, Michelle, you herself has came out and been like, yeah, I had a fucking terrible time working with him. He was fucking horrible. Maybe an arsehole, but Armour of God's a good movie. Too fucking right it is. Uh, what was the other one? Um... Police Story was pretty good. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's a fucking pet hate of mine, right? Because, like, every, like there, there was this thing for years, right? I, it's kind of happening less so now because people are, so their appreciation for stunt performers is slowly coming back, right? As time progresses. But very much so, when like Tom Cruise was at his height and the Mission Impossible films were coming out, right? They're still coming out. Yeah. No, I mean like the original like trilogy first started coming out, right? Like we're talking like 2000s, early 90s, that kind of shit, right? Late 90s, but yeah, yeah, sure. So not early 90s, sorry, early 2000s, late 90s. Mm. Sorry, forgive me there. <laughs> but every single fucking actor was bragging about doing their own stunts. And it was like a selling point of so many fucking movies. And every cunt was obsessed with it, right? And as a result of that, almost every single one of those films has, like, at least two injuries on on fucking set mm. to another stunt person. Very rarely was it the per- was it the actor that does his own stunts that actually got fucked up. It was always some other cunt that's doing it with them that get hurt. And that... Oh, it just pisses me off to no end, man. Do you know it was apparently... fucking infuriates me. Because stunt performers train their whole fucking life for this shit. They're like martial artists, gymnasts. They know how to take a fall. Well, they're basically fucking... They basically have a very similar skill set to actually wrestlers and like the WWE and like ECW and all that shit. Well, ECW doesn't exist anymore, but still. Yeah, it hasn't existed for like 20 years, but yeah. Shut, <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It exists in my heart. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, it actually does. It was fuck. It was fucked up. But anyway, like these people train for their whole fucking lives to be able to do this shit safely, until some wee shit heel comes along, and wants a fucking a cheeky wee fucking boost to their ego, and thinks, you know what? I'll do all my own stunts. Next thing you know, they're knocking some poor bastard's teeth out, <laughs> or in some cases, giving out concussions. Or Jean-Claude Van Damme's... Actually, Jean-Claude Van Damme, he could potentially get away with that, but... Uh, he, he gets away with it more because he's a trained martial artist. He did blind the guy. Does all that. He did blind a guy for that, which is <laughs> fucked up. Um, there's also stories like uh, like on uh, Blade Runner 2042? 2049, Harrison Ford. 2049, Harrison Ford just fucking punched Harrison... Uh, like, fucking fight punched Gosling like, in the fight face. Fight scenes like that, I can... I can take... You know, I can be like, yeah, just get the actors to do that because... Hand-to-hand stuff, fair enough, but whenever, like heavy shit's involved like swinging a television at a man mm. maybe get a stunt performer in Dio is apparently leading the way for stunt performers to get their own award show who? Jason Statham oh yeah yeah yeah. he's he's a massive ad- advocate saying that though he does do his own stunts but yeah. he does do quite a bit of his own stunts yeah <laughs> but, uh, to yeah. be fair to him but also he whenever you know who's really fucking good for uh, like big up and stunt people uh, to the surprise of nobody Keanu Reeves Mm. he'll like almost always use stunt people unless it's explicitly like a fight scene mm. which I like the gung fu stuff that he'll do himself Joe's the best uh, stunt injury I've ever seen go on 
from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, no, 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 so, no, no. are you talking about the the heat stroke, the woman that nearly got fucking killed? No. All right, what one then? No, that was all of them. But no, uh, she was uh, jumping out the window. No, so the stunt person jumped out the window. Yes. Her coming out the window is the stunt person. Yes. The part where you see her landing and she lands on her knees in that. Yeah, That's yeah. the actress. For some somehow somehow, <laughs> she was just standing there, then went down. Fucked her ankle. So when you see her like limping when she's running away, yeah, that's a real limp. Yeah, I'm just like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> how the fuck? But, yeah. It's very easy to fuck yourself. Like, uh, like there's con, there's so many fucking stories about that. Where like, even like trained stunt professionals will take that as a mad phenomenon where you'll do like this massive fuck off stunt where you could potentially die, and everything will go off without a hitch, and then you'll trip, and then you, you open trip a door. Over. Yeah, then you open it, then you <laughs> and open you a door, snap and your and neck, you, you open a door and bust your nose like that. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that happens. My theory is that you basically you expend all of your like mental energy doing this thing, so then you just end up. So then you've got nothing left for day to day living. So you just end up basically dyspraxic for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, I can make that joke. I'm one of them. So you can, <laughs> so you just end up tripping up over shit and like walking face first into. I once walked face first into a tree. Made a very interesting sound. Mm. So anyway. As much as I don't like the idea of like actors doing their own stunts, at least not without doing the proper like due diligence beforehand and spending like a good bit of time training, at very least like an equal amount of time that, to the stunt performers. This fight scene is incredibly well done. It's tense as fuck. The hits are heavy as hell, and the resolution of it is actually a lot more cerebral. Uh, than anything else, he uses his he uses his flair for languages to shout out to the now blind end gang, to the now blind goon uh, who's wielding a gun at this point. On your right, shoot him, and mm. I believe Russian. Yeah, Eastern uh, European of some description. Yeah, yeah, and he just shoots the guy dead. Uh, he then is hiding away from him, pushes a fucking piano into him, and knocks him out. I do think it's. So he knocks him through a window. I do think it's kind of out. funny how the two goons are harder to kill than the actual main guy. <laughs> well, is... that makes sense though, because they took the main guy by surprise, and then the other two are going. I know, in, like... I know. I just found it funny, but then I did think it was it's kind of cool. cool though. I did think it was pretty cool though when uh, you know the blind gun is shooting at the piano that he's hiding by, and you know it's hitting all the piano wires. That is that is a trope that I like. <laughs> yeah, and you can hear like this. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, we then get a bit of narration to end the fight scene. The police would later note that my apartment's previous owner was an arms dealer. Of course, these intruders had been his dissatisfied clients. Would that satisfy the police, though? Because they would be like, considering well, the, who the cons- fuck's there now? <laughs> also, considering that, Ed, Edward, that Edward Mora... Has been investigated twice. already been investigated for, in, in connection to a murder and was found at the scene, at the of, mur- at the scene of another drug-related murder. <laughs> yeah. I think the police would have a few fucking questions, but the film's only got about ten minutes left, so ne- so fuck it. The police are just fine with it. Mm. We see Atwood in hospital, having just succumbed to the withdrawal effects of NZT, and we can hear the monitor flatlining. Eddie finds a guy that's been following him and asks, "At what point was the Pony Express supposed to ride in with the life-saving medication?" See if I was this thug. Yeah. And somebody came up to me and pretty much just called me out being an idiot probably just kill him I don't know I feel like pride would come into it and you'd be like okay I want to fucking kill you but you also know how to find the cunt that killed my boss so I know I know but I feel you like say pride kill him would come ah, into it yeah. you say pride would come into it you hurt my pride just by mentioning the fact that I was an idiot fair 
<laughs> so the pair then hunt down Brant. Eddie gets his kill, gets his pills back, and the bodyguard gets to fuck up Brant a little bit. You say a little bit. Oh, a big bit. I think he's dead. Oh yeah, he's fucking dead. <laughs> uh, we then get a title card saying 12 months later. Eddie has got yet another haircut. He is now sporting a very short hair. He looks hairdo. like a prick. He looks like a prick. He looks like a senator. Can we can we just talk about his uh, fucking campaign slogan for a second? Oh yeah. Give me some more. Give me some more. Because <laughs> his name is Eddie Mora. Give me some more. So his campaign slogan is give me some more. I'd vote for that. Fair play to the country. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for that motherfucker. I mean, I can't vote in American elections, so I couldn't vote for him, but I would. I can and I have. <laughs> uh, Eddie is now running for senator after his book rose to the number one bestseller in America he is informed that someone from Iben Kemcorp is in his office he walks in and is met by none other than Carl Van Loon I'm moving out of the energy business to which Eddie replies that's like Hef moving out of the mansion bit of a dated reference there Eddie uh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this movie came out in 2011 and Hefner was still in the mansion at yeah. this point. Oh, no. Yeah, he was still in the mansion at this point. But he was also... Start- some things were starting to come out about him. <laughs> eh, it's 2011. Nobody cared. Yeah, true. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Carl makes Eddie aware that he knows about NZT as Ivan are the ones who originally made the pill and that they have successfully shut down Eddie's lab. Carl offers Eddie a limitless supply in return for a favour from Eddie once he makes the Senate Mm. or even becomes the President later down the line if that happens Eddie denies Carl's invitation for lunch and instead reveals that he has been experimenting with the drug creating a version and re-engineering it so that he can eventually taper off he says that he is completely clean now he then threatens Carl with information on various crimes that Carl and his companies have committed and then, and just as Carlos is giving this beautiful monologue of like, you don't want to go to war with, with me, I've buried less than you and all this kind of shit, to which Eddie immediately re- just interrupts him just saying, that van's going to rear-end that taxi. And it does. What? The guy's, the driver, he's distracted, he's on his, his phone, he's gone 30 miles an hour, he doesn't have enough time to stop. In three, two, one, the crash happens. I see everything. Then he just starts. What makes you think I don't have someone with a bead on you right now? What makes you think you're even going to be alive this time tomorrow? He just starts like fueling up uh, Van Loon's pa- chest. Places his hand in Van- <laughs> he places his hand in Van Loon's chest and tells him that he has heart problems, basically. Gives him a nice little Something's nip. pumping at half mast in there. But you already knew that, didn't gives, you? Uh, he gives him a nice little nip rub. Yeah. <laughs> he then says, Really, you should be glad about this, because me working for you, you'd end up as my bitch. Mm. I to be think fair to him, fucking great line. Anyway, but Eddie, Eddie then says, as he goes for a lunch, so he goes for a lunch with Lindy, speaks, I believe, some, uh, I can't actually identify the language, I don't know if, Chinese. but it is, an, it is an Asian language. We'll assume it's Chinese. We'll assume it is an East Asian language, so it could be anything, really. We'll assume Chinese, but at the risk of being incredibly racist. We won't say which region of China, because I don't know. <laughs> but, but you're not sure if it's Cantonese or Mandarin? Or the other one, there's Hong Kong is the one. Oh yeah, Hong Kong is the one, doesn't it? There's what ton- is that one called? There's tons of there's, there's tons a of fuck ton of languages. Anyway, <laughs> he then, and after speaking to the waitress and fluently in the language, he then turns to Lindy and just goes, "What? 
Now, this leads to my theory that this guy is, despite his claims to Carl, he's not off NZT. Yeah. The film ends, and we once again hear the Black Keys to play us out. I did think the way it ends with him just talking, you know, Chinese, whatever. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what? I just thought that was kind of sitcom to me. It if was it a bit sitcom yeah. If it just ended on a freeze frame, it was like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Bow, 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 bow. Yeah, like, <laughs> like oh. a Seinfeld. Oh. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, sure, you might be on it, you might not be. Maybe, I, I choose to believe that he does, in fact, have a different, like... Uh, the only word I can think of is strain of okay. <laughs> NZT. <Fair. laughs> He's uh, got a nice sativa. Do you want to know what the... The uh, fucking TV series confirms? That he's on it? Yes, and it has a different strain. Uh, there you go. Uh, that he's created mm. it's like an injection version essentially so does he die or something in the show in the show uh, no he survives the full shebang right so who the fuck is it about then just some other guy just some other guy that ends up in NZT yeah right, fair enough so that is Limitless and that brings our Halloween celebration to a close final thoughts Jacob it's ooky spooky but yeah yeah it's, uh, it's a good movie I like this movie quite a lot it's, yeah, uh, uh, I didn't really know what my expectations of this were because yeah, it was. I don't know. <laughs> it was one of those movies that came out and then it just kind of. I wouldn't say it disappeared. Like, oh no, it's, it remained in the cultural zeitgeist uh, for quite but, some time. Uh, it's even referenced directly by Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, but it's it's like one of these movies that the only people I really see talking about are like Reddit nerds. For the and, most part, yes. And usually, I hate them all. Clips of it have been clips of it have been shown up on TikTok a lot recently. I don't know. Yeah, why. I I saw that clip. Uh, it's him and the uh, the landlord's wife. Yeah, that that showed up somewhere. Not on TikTok, but um, that showed up somewhere. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, I like this movie. Uh, would I watch so it again? I. Maybe somewhere down the line. Um, it would have to be a while before I would watch it again, personally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, truth be told, within the first like, I was one hundred percent ready to hate this movie upon watching it again I thought it was going to be one of those fucking flicks where it was like oh this was shit hot when I was a teenager but looking at it now this is just very clearly like a boy's fantasy and there are points of it that do play out like that but I feel like the film offers enough of a sort of unique storyline and unique character moments between those kind of segments to make it a worthwhile watch uh, even today it was. It, it's very um, time capsule where it's like very much so. Yeah, it, a lot it of the feels like you're. It feels like you're watching a, a sort of mid to late two thousands thriller. Yeah, type thing. even and beyond like the like the clothes and the setting and whatnot. Even no, just, just the actual like writing and how yeah. the film is is yeah. shot is very very. Uh, it's also much of its time. It's also uh, sort of time capsule in the sense that you don't really see uh, big you know, mid-budget sort of uh, thriller-type standalone movies anymore. Mid-budget movies full stop have kind of yeah. uh, gone. 20, like, a lot 20, of these just... a lot. If this film was to be released today, it would be straight to streaming. Or they would try and make it part of, like, a sort of big extended universe thing. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but this... Like, Which, admittedly, they did kind of try to do with the TV show yeah, in 2015, but, but yeah. that's, you know, but years that was, later. That was kind of new back then, but, you know... But and also, that was during a time period right. where every fucking movie was getting a TV series for some reason. It was after Hannibal made its success. Yeah. And, and then very quickly after that, we got like the Exorcist TV show. We got the fucking... That was a good show, actually. That right? was a good show. Uh, we got fucking Bates Motel. 
Uh, we got this is limitless. Uh, there was a few others as well. But that, uh, this uh, is escape. Yeah, but I would say yeah. that, like this is also time capsule in a sense. Like this was like one of the last sort of that I can recall. I know Lucy came out after this, but this is like kind of like one of the last sort of mid-budget thriller type things. Well, that yeah, I can we remember. were talking about this earlier. This is kind yeah. of. Uh, a and remnant that, of a simpler time, almost. Yeah, and in that sense, it's kind of cool just to see these things again because, you know, I didn't, I hadn't really thought about it. But I kind of miss those mid-budget. So do sort I. Of, so do I. Yeah. You know. So there was but a that, there was a phenomenal film uh, quite recently as well. It was Judas and the Black Messiah uh, that I went to see. It was kind of similar in that regard. It's about the like the Black Panther Party mm. and uh, the the murder of the like the chairman. I can't yeah. remember his name off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, like that fucking CIA, fucking, not CIA, sorry, whatever the fuck, raid of their house where he was, like, fucking drugged mm. where he was sleeping and they bust in and fucking killed the cunt. But, uh, yeah, well, it's know, a really good movie. You know, um, but yeah, but this kind of leads into what we'll be covering next time. Yes, so... We'll be looking at what killed, <laughs> ostensibly killed, not, not for certain, but ostensibly killed the mid-budget movie. We are going to be taking a look at Marvel movies, not the MCU. We will be getting there. We are looking at every theatrically released Marvel movie. With some within the UK, everything that was theatrically released in the UK. So some of the movies that we will discuss were straight to VHS or straight to DVD in other territories, such as the US, Australia, and whatnot. But. Pretty much every single one, with the, I believe maybe one exception, maybe two, was released theatrically in the UK. Yeah, um, and you may be sitting there thinking, well, that's, a, that's a big uh, departure from the, the horror things that you're doing, guys. But um, do not fret, for at the same time as we're doing these, we will also be covering uh, the Wes Craven filmography. Exactly. So we're going to be switching up our... Our procedure will no longer just be doing one see one uh, project at a time. We're going to be doing two weeks on, two weeks off. So our next two episodes will be on Marvel movies. Uh-huh. After that, we'll be looking at the first two of Wes Craven's filmography, and so on and so forth. Once we finish Wes Craven, we'll go on to another director because we will. And because mm. Wes Craven has quite a few less uh, films than uh, Marvel yeah. does, or not necessarily another director, perhaps another theme yeah. that will be that we will talk about at a later date. Mm-hmm. But yes, in short, I'm this is where the fun this. begins. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I, I, I kind of, yeah, I love horror movies. I love these things. But sometimes I just want to watch some big, dumb blockbuster movies, you know? Well, you're in luck because our next episode is Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, motherfuckers! You know, duck tits. And, uh, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Sorry, it was just something about the way you said that. just fucking triggered that in my head. <laughs> just like... <laughs> Everywhere around the world, it's duck tits. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the notoriously, the notoriously, the notoriously bad. Uh, yeah, was it late eighties, uh, eighty-six. I want to say mid eighties. Shit, yeah. I thought it was a bit later. Yeah. Howard the Duck, produced by George Lucas and. Yeah. The very same, yes. So yeah, yeah not, Written, everyth- not everything he made was fucking gold. Directed uh, directed by the guy that suggested that uh, Darth Vader be Luke Skywalker's father. Oh yeah. So you know, <laughs> there is a certain degree of pedigree here. 
at least within the making of this Aye. movie. So you've got like the guy like, that cr- so we have George Lu- so we have George Lucas producing uh, the man who's responsible for arguably one of the most well-known twists in movie history. And then they bring out We Street. have Tim Rob we have Tim Robbins in one of the lead roles. Before he was big. But yeah. Before he was big, but still like in hindsight a big fucking casting. Yeah. We also have it coming straight off of uh, Back to the Future, which was released the year prior in yeah, 1985. Leah, Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson in a, a starring role. As well as the head teacher from Fellas Spiel's Day Off as a villain. <laughs> we don't talk about him. Uh, the less said about him is better. Fucking beast. But he anyway. was good. But then, uh, but then uh, they just come out with straight trash. So, um, yeah. I just, uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, let's just get out of the way we're doing. Howard the Duck, then afterwards, another shite movie. We don't need to go through the full. We don't need to go through the full thing. But if, you're not, but if you're not sure what the first uh, Wes Craven movie is, let's just put it this way: it's a it's going to be a wild tonal shift. Oh yeah, so we'll <laughs> we'll be going from uh, what is it, Captain America, Howard the Duck in the 1990s Captain America, to uh, the to last, last house in the left in the hills of eyes. So uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, enjoy that fun journey. Mm. I'm sure we will. Mm. <laughs> don't make that noise talking about Last House on the Left it's fucking creepy oh. anyway <laughs> oh. oh no oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> so thank you very much to everyone who's been with us for the journey so far I've been Ben Niven this has been my co-host like and subscribe no, not subscribe say share. your fucking name you share t- the thing my name is Jacob Russo I said this has been my co-host and you said like and subscribe yes you are now <laughs> called like and subscribe I am asshole. like and subscribe Russo uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they called you in college that was your nickname but please big like Russo <laughs> but please share the show we should probably have said that before we even started the show but yeah please if you do enjoy the show please be sure to tell your friends share it out on social media if you can and I've been Ben Niven Jacob Russo and we'll see you next week for Howard the Duck. Duck tits. Quack, <laughs> quack.